You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Cloak and Dagger Season 2. Yes, it's another one of the episodes that we've had clanging around in the vaults for a while now. Cloak and Dagger is a show that I feel like doesn't get the respect that it deserves. It is the only one of the modern Marvel TV shows that is tied in with the Netflix continuity that is not on Disney+. Plus. For those who don't know, there were, of course, the Netflix series that Marvel did, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defenders. Those got moved over to Disney+. Plus. Now, Cloak and Dagger is tied in with Luke Cage. There are several references in Luke Cage to Misty's partner, who is a main character in Cloak and Dagger, and there are several references in Cloak and Dagger to events that happen in Luke Cage. And through Cloak and Dagger, The Runaways is tied in with the same universe. Well, Runaways did get moved over from Hulu to Disney+. Plus. I mean, I think it's available on both. But Cloak and Dagger, which aired on the cable TV station Freeform, is on Hulu. You can watch it on Hulu, and if this episode intrigues you at all, I recommend you do go to Hulu and check it out. It has not been ported over to Disney+, and I think that that's kind of unfair to the show. The first season is a little rocky, but by the second season, and you'll hear that on the episode, we were all sold on the show. So I wish it had been allowed to have more time. It is a fairly serious revamp of the characters from the comics. I personally would have wanted a closer take to the comics, but I appreciated the show they gave us with the characters that they developed in their adaptation. So for what it's worth, that's just sort of my preamble there to explain what we're getting into here. And then like I say, if you want to check out more about this show, you can go to Hulu and it's still there. So without further ado, let's join the podcast already in progress. Let's meet our cast for this week. So, first up, once again, we have our divine pairing. We have our light and darkness. And we're going to start off with the darkness. And that is our nemesis, Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? You know, uh, the dark side is stronger and faster (laughs) and and better in every way. (laughs) No, it's not stronger. It's only quicker, more seductive. Learn Look, your if, lines. Right. If, if something, if, if, fine, if two things are completely equal, but one is quicker and more seductive, it's by default better. Oh, okay. <laughs> what if one is more long-lasting? Uh, I don't... Then you're running a turtle farm, and <laughs> you have a different set of priorities. Yeah, right. Slower and longer-lasting is a very 
admirable thing for turtle farming, but uh, <laughs> not so much for uh, the dark side. There you go. I mean, have you seen a slow lightsaber battle? It's just, it's boring. <laughs> Actually, you could probably create an art form around that of, like, just the lights. You know, like, turn the lights off and do, like, a slow lightsaber yeah. battle. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see like a Sith Lord being like almost, almost <laughs> like ballet, huh? Huh? It's, Tying it's in with intense. our episode. <laughs> right. oh, I'm sorry. What, Ryan? I'm saying it's a dance. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> what's been going on you since last week, Ryan? Since last week, uh, yeah, not much. Um, just uh, trying to catch up on a lot of my to-do list. Uh, uh, before, during, before my sabbatical, so to speak, mm-hmm. comes to an end, and um, but I, I've got most of my uh, A list done, so now I can move to, onto the B list, which includes sharing podcasts. So that should make sense. How is that not on the A list? <laughs> because it doesn't involve money. You know? <laughs> How do you know it doesn't involve money if you don't try? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I should start monetizing my sharing of your podcast. You know? <laughs> okay, okay. So, so soon, just like when you're soon. actually going to post real updates soon. <laughs> that's that's my C list. I just want you to go on and like take like that review that you've already written and just hit publish. Like, forget proofreading. Just publish it. It's been <laughs> sitting there for two years at this point. Just just let it out there on the internet. You know, honestly, I, the only reason I'm not at this point is because it just irks you so much. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. He Fair is enough. evil. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's why he's I'll, the nemesis. I'll put it behind my paywall. I do. I start a Patreon and put it behind. There. <laughs> there you go. Now you're monetizing it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and how much longer do you have before you have to go back to work? Uh, I've got until August third, the first yeah. Monday in August, whenever that is. So oh, okay. time's running out. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so then you start your new job, and then you have to leave for Dragon. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be an weeks. unpaid break. Oh, okay. <laughs> August fifth is Monday. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's like you start your new job and then you're like, Yeah, I need to take some time off. You've only been there well, like three weeks. <laughs> I mean that's like the second thing I said in my interview. Sure, <laughs> sure. First thing was, you know, Hi, my name's Ryan. Right. <laughs> and I'm gonna need Labor Day weekend off. <laughs> Yeah, I figured you probably already ran that by them. But. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it is uh, it, it is a thing to have you back on the podcast, right? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> um, and then we have our Trex light, Mr. Mike Nelson. How are you doing, Mike? Oh, that's what you're going with the whole light. And dark. I got that's you. That's right. I you and you Ryan now. are the divine I... pairing. We established that last time. I I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, what's been going on for you in the last week since you were on the podcast? Two weeks, sir. Two no, weeks. You... Supergirl was last week. And what was the one before that? Oh, well. Uh... Bro, you've this is the like breaking the fourth wall here a little bit. This is uh, unbelievable, even in my eyes, for the third straight podcast I've recorded with you. Right. No, I know. Yeah, you've been on. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've talked quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but nothing, uh, nothing too major. Uh, my buddy 
uh, who lives in California, who lived in California. He just moved to how to Hawaii mm. uh, for the past two weeks, and he started his first job today. And the sad part is because he didn't because he moved to Hawaii, we can't go to TwitchCon at, in the fall in San Diego. Mm. So so it hurt me. But at the same time, the money I was going to spend to get there, he sold me his new microphone. He sold me his mixer. And I spent basically the entire weekend setting it up and just being all like, ooh, tech stuff, yay. Why did <laughs> you take the money and go to DragonCon? Uh, mixer? <laughs> microphone? Uh, tech geek? I mean, come on here. <laughs> here you've been complaining that you don't have the money for DragonCon, and then you had this gift horse. It's like, oh, I won't go to TwitchCon. I'll go to DragonCon instead. Yeah, I hear rooms at the Sheridan are really cheap right now. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> As this starts becoming like a true pandemic, I don't know if you've seen, but now there are like 55 like cases of Legionnaire's disease. Oh my, oh my god, it's probable. Probable. It's, like, it's like you're going to have one of those scenes like in the movies where you have like the map of the United States and you just see like the like the wall as the circle of, of cases just keeps <laughs> expanding out from Atlanta. <laughs> Is this how Resident Evil started? <laughs> yeah. Yes, there, yeah, I think so. There is a uh, there's a video on YouTube. It's a trailer for a book. I can't uh, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was about the zombie apocalypse breaking out at a Star Trek convention. And oh it's yeah, hilarious. I heard of, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, dude, there's a Star Trek convention this weekend in Vegas or this week. Although the really the real the real funny thing would be a zombie outbreak at a horror convention where everybody thinks that people are cosplaying. <laughs> you know, and they're really not. I'd write that movie. I'd write that. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so anything else going on, Mike? I no, it's only been a week. Luckily, everything has been uh, pretty quiet. Uh, okay. The big thing for me, I started the boys, and I'm two ep- I'm two episodes away from being finished with it. Mm. And this is not your this is not your kid superheroes. <laughs> yeah, I think I could tell that from the trailer. Yeah, I was not prepared. No. <laughs> but all than that, uh, health was good. All good. Pretty mm-hmm. good. Good. All right, excellent. It's good to have you back on, Mike. Great to be back. All right, and so now we go over to the gray. <laughs> it is Lovely. he is our resident gorilla. Uh, he is my buddy, Mark Finn. How are you doing, Mark? Hey, how are you? I am doing all right. I too had a salad for dinner. So okay, I'm, there you go. I'm I'm feeling kind of light, you know, mm. kind of uh, kind of kind of invigorated. Uh, and, uh, I am getting ready for Armadillo Con, which is a Texas convention, uh, here, uh, in the, this weekend. Uh, I have taken a couple of years off of the convention circuit for health reasons. And, uh, so this is a, uh, a, a trial run, uh, and, uh, to see how, how, how it goes. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited. I haven't been, I haven't seen folks in a while, so. What kind of con is Armadillo Con? It, it it's a <clears throat> let me say this the the correct way it's a literary science fiction uh, convention, uh, which is a snobby way of saying we talk about books and stuff. <laughs> do you have but a monocle? I do not. I I don't have a monocle, oh. but I do wear. Uh, I do have a I do have a cane and a pince nez. Oh. Now, uh, n- no the. Um, 
Uh, my the, my the, wife got me a monocle and a pocket watch, so I'm prepared uh, if I ever have something like that. Uh, <laughs> Monopoly cosplay, you gotta love it. Uh, I had a uh, no. The the show is uh, it, they're doing they're they've opened it up a little bit more and kind of broadened the topics uh, last few years, and uh, uh, that's that's been helpful. So uh, I'll be doing some media panels, and uh, uh, one of the things that we do at the show is we do a Gentleman Nerds podcast uh, with a live audience, so that's always fun. Yeah, that sounds so, cool. Yeah, so there you go. Now you know everything. Okay. <laughs> Not does everyone, does everyone come up with their own British accent for it? We do. We, no, because it's Texas, and they'll kick your ass <laughs> if you if you talk like even in Austin, you know. But everybody's uh, well armed. <laughs> <laughs> you're better off in well, not in Austin. In Austin, you're better off carrying uh, a, a beanie on your head and, and carrying a Topo Chico in your hand. No. That's, that's that is hipster camouflage. You just you you blend right in, man. It's like a it's like a stealth suit. Okay. Who, who is that guy? I don't know, but he's got a striped beanie that says legalized hemp, and he's carrying a Topo Chico bottle. He's one of us. You know this slide right in like camouflage you know the thing that told me that texas was okay is that it's legal to open carry a sword in texas <laughs> i uh i have not seen i've not seen that yet uh and i'm i'm waiting for it because yeah. the the bring a knife to the gunfight joke is just waiting to be a headline <laughs> right. We, we don't we don't we don't have the same kind of deal as Florida man, but you know a fair number of Darwin Award candidates have been from the Lone Star State, so it's just a matter of time before somebody pulls a sword in a bar and starts swinging it around, and and the other guy Indiana Joneses his ass and just shoots him dead in the stomach and turns away. You know, make your phone call. <laughs> And I and I kind of want to be the cop that writes that up. Uh, so let me get this straight. He uh, he came at you with a monkey and a sword, and you uh, you what? <laughs> you, you defended yourself. Well, I had a bullwhip, but we took that away. And so then the crowd parted, and uh huh. And anybody seen the monkey around? You know, I mean, they just think I could. I want to be that guy, just just for grins. Oh man, that'd be so much fun! Yeah, yeah, and the bullwhip is not okay, but the sword and the gun. Are. That's right. That's right. I'm gonna write you a citation for the bullwhip. But, uh, you know, hey, can I hold that sword for a second? That's yeah. cool. What is that? A, is that a scimitar? No, it's a tulwar. A tulwar? Oh, well, I ain't never heard of a tulwar. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> How about the gun? Oh, he's got a permit for the gun. That's fine. So the gun and the sword are all right. Yeah, but the bullwhip is a Class C misdemeanor, so you need to put your hand on your back. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, it's just a matter of time before the influence spreads from Florida to Texas. It's, they're all on the Gulf Coast. It's all on the Gulf Coast. I know. That's right. If we eat enough shrimp, we will start turning into that guy. <laughs> You know, that's you're all going to become the toxic avenger from all that stuff that uh, gets exactly spilled into the right. Gulf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. that's why. That's why I stay far away from Houston. I'm I'm in the I'm literally on the other side of the planet from Houston in terms of Texas. Ryan's <laughs> uh, <laughs> in Houston. <laughs> you know, I, well, no, I'm going to go mute. <laughs> we might have the knife brought to the gunfight in just a minute here. <laughs> All right, but uh, but Mark, it's good to have you back on the show. I'm happy to be here. Hope I can help the ball club. Okay, so 
now it's time for our five-minute controversy. And as everyone knows, the five-minute controversy is just our way of sort of loosening up before we get into the topic and uh, gives the audience a way of getting a little insight into how we feel about things. Now, this is one that I realize might cause um, some, some emotional reactions. I'm mm. just asking that everybody wait their turn. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. So um, the news came out during Marvel's announcements, uh, and I hope that I'm pronouncing this name correctly that Mershala Ali is going to play Blade. Now, <laughs> um, so he played Cottonmouth in uh, Luke Cage, and a lot of people have been very upset about this. They're saying it's Marvel's way of invalidating the Netflix shows. Oh, dear sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> so I'm sorry, uh, go ahead. <laughs> So uh, I'm just curious about everybody's take on that because it's caused, you know, some people are saying calm down, it's no big deal, other people are really upset about it, so I just wanted to feel for everybody on this podcast and what you think about it. So uh, let's start with you, Mike. Well, I too thought that it it did make the the Netflix shows kind of like, oh, so I guess we're using the same actor as Cottonmouth, I guess that never happens Mm -hmm. for continuity purposes, but as you uh, reminded me as well, Nathan, that, I mean, they've used multiple, different actors for her because the woman uh, who played, oh my gosh. Mariah. Thank you. Mariah on Luke Cage was also in uh, Avengers where she was the mom Civil of the War. boy, uh, the mom of the boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've used multiple actors, so I, I'm perfectly okay with it. And at the same time, the Netflix shows recognized the movie's and what they've done with the damage, specifically uh, what Avengers, the first Avengers movie with the damage to New York, that was a cause and effect in the Netflix shows because that was after it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was never the movies recognized Netflix. So all in all, I mean, he's a very popular actor. He's 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 won an Oscar. Uh, As Kevin Face said, when Mashala Ali calls, you you answer. Mm -hmm. And And at that time, so far. He's Mashal. Mich- he called. He got the job. The guy who's going to be playing Shang Chi, uh, Shang He he tweeted. And he got the job. I think we know how jobs work now. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Send the tweet. <laughs> yes, because the last or the the thing that we want right now is for more people to think that there's power in tweets. Um. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, uh, more fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mike. You know, they can just do it like the Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie where they're identical strangers. Yeah, okay. (laughs) All right. Um, Ryan, how do you feel about this casting? Do you think that it's something that we should be worried about? Um, Okay, well, to the broader question, I'll work, you know, outside in. To the broader question of uh, whether or not this is another way for the MCU to uh, disregard the, the Netflix series... I honestly don't think they even think enough about the Netflix series to consider that. Hmm. Um, I think they just said, hey, this is the right actor for the gig, and they went with that. A friend of mine has been fantasy casting Blade for, you know, since the MCU started, and he never once came up with this name. And it, and he, he said, why? It's right there in my face the whole time. And generally my thought was, well, because he was Cottonmouth. And, because, and that's how it works, right? It's like we've – as fans, we already – cross him off the list of potentials because he's played in another character. But that 
in and of itself kind of means nothing. It's not like we assume there are two different uh, roadies because one was Terrence Howard and one's Don Cheadle. Mm. We just, in our heads, we like, okay, fine, you know, whatever. Um, it's 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 a not really an issue for me. I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, we'd have so many great actors, and maybe we do, that we could cast a Blade who wasn't the same actor, but at the same time, he is a great actor. So I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with it. It, it, it does sadden me a little bit, but not enough that I'm like, oh no, I'm never going to watch Luke Cage again, or I'm never not going to go see the new Blade movie. No, I'm going to do both, and I'm going to enjoy both, and it's just like a... It's just like it just makes me shake my head, but otherwise, it it's nothing to me. Okay, yeah, I mean, more so than the actor, I'm more concerned that they give him the '90s comic accurate costume <laughs> <laughs> with the goggles. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I just want them to bring back Chris Christopherson. You know, uh, and I'm good. You know? <laughs> well, seeing as his performance in Blade Trinity was so awful that I think that. <laughs> I think that he uh, isn't uh, really up to it anymore. Uh, um, no, I, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, Mark, you have the floor. I only want to say uh, that uh, this, in in the same way that uh, that Quentin Tarantino gets yelled at uh, by um, George Clooney in From Dust Till Dawn. Let me just say this to everybody out there who's sweating this. This is not a big deal unless you make it a big deal. Um, we we got we had two Dumbledores. We had two roadies. We had th- this is ridiculous because the anger seems to come from a place of once you play one character, you can never play another character as an actor. No matter what they offer, and no matter how much money they they dangle in front of you, you you've you've played that one character. You can't play another character in the same universe. And my response to that is, uh, n- no, <laughs> because you can, because it's st- if you think of it that way, that's stupid. And it, and I, and 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 uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, don't don't be stupid. You know, I think that's really <laughs> where I'm going with this. Let the guy. Take the part, you know. You you weren't expecting to get a Blade movie, anyways. No. You know, you that was that was bonus gravy. You know, you weren't even. Everybody was just hanging on every word, hoping to hear the word Wolverine said out loud or <laughs> uh, some mention of uh, the Fantastic Four, mm. the Baxter Building, Willie Lumpkin, just something, anything. <laughs> Willie so, Lumpkin, yes. So when. So when Blade was announced, everybody was like, whoa, hey, I forgot about that. That's the thing that arguably kicked off the Marvel uh, movies. Uh, we will agree to disagree on that. But nevertheless, bring him into the MCU. Let's do this. And I, I, th- I think it's great casting. No. I wasn't so surprised that they announced something with Blade. I thought for sure when Blade came back, it would be a TV series. That they were going to give it like the Netflix street level kind of uh, well, treatment. I- who knows where this is all going to end up? You know, I mean, it's all uh, kind of up in the air. But I, I think, I think denying a, a, a gifted Academy Award-winning actor uh, a role because he already played a, a character in the other universe who's who's dead, by the way. Uh, you know, I mean, so like, what does this even matter? You know, it's it's it's, it's beyond ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous, and. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna comp- I'm not gonna cry if Finn Jones shows up in 
the Doctor Strange movie is a different character. I'm not going to cry if Charlie Cox shows up somewhere else as another character. Um, I will cry uh, if Vince D'Onofrio shows up as a different character because I want him to well, be the kingpin. Well, <laughs> and see, that's the thing is, you know, y- 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 here's here's the deal. You know, uh, it would be awesome if he ended up being the kingpin in a Marvel movie mm. in, in in a Spider-Man film, um, and pro- and they'll probably do that. You know, if they if they if they'll uh, pull J.K. Simmons in to let J.K. Simmons be J. Jonah Jameson in, because who who else wants to go against that casting? Right. Um, it's 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 a pretty good bet that they'll that they'll ask D'Onofrio to to come over, and and there's probably going to be a reference in the movie. Uh, you know, I beat the devil of hell's kitchen. I'll beat you too. You know, or whatever. Uh, but but this whole notion uh, that that this stuff is so sacrosanct that that the actor can't make a living is is just is is beyond the pale. You got we have way other other we have way so many other things to be upset about that don't have anything to do with that that you sh- that this you know this whole thing has been has been given way too much power. Mm. <laughs> I'd be I'd be much more concerned about. You know, like if you tell me you're complete, you're oh the Disney streaming app. I don't know if I want to pay for that. I'm like, all right, well, I've made up my mind, but that's a valid gripe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but but this is nothing. You haven't even seen it yet. He he came out with a baseball cap on. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. By and and I guarantee you, by the time he gets here, by the time we get here, everybody's going to be doing the same thing that they always do. Oh, I always liked him from the start. I mean, everybody else was against it, but I thought it was cool. You know. <laughs> Uh, well, I thought Nicholson made a great Joker. <laughs> okay, you're that guy. You know, uh, the the fair weather Marvel fan. You know, yeah. no, no, no. You guys, when I said I thought it was a stupid idea, I meant stupid in a good way. <laughs> you know how the kids say it's stupid now? That's what I meant four years ago when they were saying sick. Yeah, I was ahead of the curve on that too. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Just everybody make a mental note of who's complaining about this, and if it's somebody you know, ghost them on Twitter and uh, and unfollow them. Because if that's going to be the thing that upsets them, I guarantee you, no matter what happens to the X Men uh, in the Marvel universe, they're going to lose their minds. I guarantee you, the first time that they try to introduce the Fantastic Four, these people are going to go bonkers. If if the guy playing Cottonmouth getting cast as Blade. Flips people out. Oh, what happens? What happens when we see the new Doctor Strange movie trailer? Oh my God! I, I worry about these people. They need a defibrillator and a Xanax, you know. <laughs> uh, so, so I say unplug from these folks as quickly as you can and get them get them off your feet because they're just going to poison the well for you. Yeah, thankfully, it's nobody that I know personally. There are some groups that I'm in where I've seen it. Uh, you know, people complain about it. I've seen people say it should have been Wesley Snipes, and it's like, okay, right. the guy's 15 years older, you know, than when he last played the role. You know, do we really want, you know, uh, an older guy playing? Play? And maybe there's an interesting story to tell there, but I'm just saying, I, I think, you know, Marvel <laughs> always... I know Wesley Snipes had some meetings with someone at Marvel because he tweeted all about it, and I think that Snipes thought that he could, you know, reboot Blade within the MCU, but it's like they I think they always wanted a different actor. 
And, yeah. uh, you know, so, I mean, yeah. they, that's what they went with. And, and you know, it's funny because of the thing of, well, he's already played a role in the MCU. Uh, you know, I, I laugh because I'm watching through Star Trek The Next Generation right now with my daughter. How many actors do you think were on that show that oh, did other roles role. yeah. in the same show? And that didn't yeah. mean that, oh, we invalidated that episode because now he's a right. different character or she's a different right. character or whatever, the, you know. The actress Mark, that played Mark, Pulaski had, was in TOS three right. times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the champion of this was Mark Lennard, the guy that played uh, Sarek's box father. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in all the different shows, and, and, and he played a Klingon, a Vulcan, and a Romulan in the original series, mm-hmm. and then went on and did multiple things in 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 the other shows. And so it's just it just it's it's so I find it I find it um, it's the naivete behind it, just the sort of infantile response uh to that you know and of course i i i firmly believe that these are the same people who uh when they started talking about an x-men movie 20 years ago uh said well it's got to be patrick stewart why because he's already bald (laughs) to be fair yes because it was good casting it was i'm not i'm not saying it wasn't good casting but it feels like well we have to get the bald guy because right. razors don't exist in uh, well, right. He was what? a prominent actor who was also bald, and so everyone saw him as Xavier. I mean, Wizard did it in their fan cast. I yeah. mean, it was it was yeah, everywhere. It was, so. it, it, was yeah. it was and and maybe maybe that helped smooth the the waters over. You know, of course, nobody knew who the hell Hugh Jackman was at the right. time. And of course, and now now that he's retiring, everybody's like, "Well, what I really want is I want Hugh Jackman to come back." <laughs> um, this is this is fans, and it's it's sort of the nature of things. I just think that as fans, especially now with with geek culture having having moved forward, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, the the boys, sophisticated show. Uh, on Amazon Prime, uh, one of the most sophisticated uh, treatments of, of the genre I've seen that actually works. And uh, so, if we're at this point where, where we can have that on television, I think maybe uh, pitching a hissy fit about um, not getting the bald guy to play the bald character, or you know, having a character, having an actor double up, is is an argument that needs to be. Um, uh, tendered you know we're done let's 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 move on the way other things to talk way more interesting things to talk about yeah and fanish things you know but uh but this this is this is nonsense and and it and it, and it betrays a, it, it makes it seem like not only do you not know how uh how movies work but you don't know how uh anything else works so yep. when you start telling me about points on the back end and how many millions it grossed, my response is, "Oh yeah, you don't think Mashara Ali can actually uh, do two parts in a in a series? Uh, so why am I why am I suddenly taking this as gospel? You know?" I have to call you for time now, Mark. <laughs> I I I yield the rest of my time to the distinguished gentleman. Okay. Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, there's been plenty of series and things where I've seen actors double up before. It's not the end of the world. I think there is a whole separate question about whether or not they're going to invalidate the Netflix stuff that that Feige had no control over. But I don't think that this casting is enough of an indication that that is what they're doing. Uh, I think in two or three years, we'll know. Um, Can I throw one more thing on there? Sure. Okay. I just want to add that while, yeah, I... Again, I agree with what Mark said. It kind of echoes, I think, what I said. But uh, I do think there is a line. For instance, um, while especially with special effects, 
actors can play multiple characters. And even without the special effects, we have the cognitive ability to recognize that he's this actor is this person here and that person there. Uh, I think there are a few exceptions. Like, I don't think like if they, I don't think they're going to bring Robert Downey Jr. back to play uh, the lead of another franchise in the right. MCU or Chris Evans. So. In general, yes, but I do think there are exceptions where an, an actor has become so iconic in a role within the MCU that it's probably something I would veer away from. But I don't think Cottonmouth is that level. That's exactly right. The, for for you know, obviously for the for the heavy hitters and the and the big guys, uh, th- those have a certain brand name recognition. But uh, I think they're safe pulling from from the from the Netflix shows. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, the, when you look at the audience for the Netflix shows versus the films, it's much bigger for the films. And so, you know, I, I think I think they would much rather, you know, be concerned about what the film audiences think than uh, people who watched it on Netflix. But all right. So, yeah, that is our five minute controversy. So, um, yeah, it looks like we're all, you know, being reasonable about this and we'll just have to see what happens, uh, you know, moving forward with any of the Netflix properties. I'm still still crossing my fingers that maybe they could port them over to Hulu in a couple of years. Um, I, I would love to see that, but I know it's not, you know, a sure thing by any means, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Now let's pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast. What will you do when your child asks? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What's wrong with you? Or will you handle it the right way? Sit down, baby girl. Let me introduce you to my friend, Mark McRae. Join Dan Clink and I on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast as we take a unique behind-the-scenes look at the history and dynamics of animation with plenty of laughs along the way. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a proud member of the ESO Network. talked about at the beginning of the show we are talking about cloak and dagger season two now uh ryan and mike were on our season one episode and so we heard all about what they thought of the show uh but mark you're joining us for the first time to talk about cloak and dagger so uh what was your assessment of the first season well i liked the show and i didn't think i would or rather i didn't think i would like it as much as i did um you know, when it was announced that it was going to be on on Freeform, you know, this sort of family uh, or not family friendly, but the channel's kind of aimed at sort of all ages. It's like mm-hmm. an edgy Hallmark channel. You know? <laughs> right? That's a good way to describe uh, it. I like that. Uh, and so uh, my, my, I was a little worried. And, of course, you know, knowing what I do about Cloak and Dagger and being there at Ground Zero when those were introduced back when dinosaurs roamed the Earth, um, the I immediately could see the potential for a Berlantes nation uh, of this. You know, mm. we can turn this into uh, a very angsty show. Uh, where the most egregious sin is that somebody lies to one of the characters. And uh, 
I was really I was really glad that it didn't go that way, or at least it didn't go completely that way. I really liked it, and uh, and it was a slow burn to be sure. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the they took their sweet time getting us to where they were doing anything that even looked kind of cloaky or daggery. Mm-hmm. And, and I and of course it wasn't until the end of the show that I realized, oh, this was all the origin. Se- mm-hmm. I, I, this whole season was the origin. Got it, you know. Uh, but uh, but I did enjoy it, and I enjoyed it enough that uh, as soon as I saw it pop on season two, I was like, all right, let's let's get going, you know. Uh, in fact, I felt like that was a pretty fast turnaround too. Yeah, uh, it was less than a year. They they they, they yeah. were a summer show for season one, and then they were the following spring for season two. Yeah, not bad, not bad at all. Uh, so uh, uh, it, I, th- I thought it worked, and uh, you know, it didn't seem to have any ties really to the rest of the MCU, other than an aesthetic, uh, which felt in, in, a little bit like what they were trying to do with the Fox Mutant shows, uh, and of course, season two doubled down on the weirdness to the point that I kept thinking, man, was this supposed to be over there with Legion? <laughs> the thing is, though, that it was nowhere near to the degree Legion is. I mean, I get no, what you're saying. No, but it was, no, but it, 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 it got twice as weird as it was in the first season. Yes. Which was, which was cool to watch. Yep. Yeah, no, they mentioned like the Starks and everything in season one. And so they, you know, there was a little bit of, you know, referencing the greater Marvel universe. Right. And, and, and Roxon is a, is, is a straight out of the Iron Man comics as one of uh, Stark's industrial rivals, you know, that right. uh, they had been mentioned in Peggy Carter. So. Oh, and Peggy Carter too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, and Misty Knight gets name dropped. That's right. <laughs> yes, that was fun. That was fun, but but it, it, they were they were all tangential ties in, weren't mm. they? You know, uh, you know, I, I, I'm from Harlem. Yeah, well, uh, you should see the shit that goes on down there. You know, uh, and that was cool. Yeah, but 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 the nice thing about it though was somehow they knew somebody on the Luke Cage writing staff because Misty mentions that her partner O'Reilly went to Louisiana in Luke Cage, so they did like a tie-in between the two shows, even. There, there could have been a little crosstalk uh, at the Starbucks at the corner of <laughs> Sepulveda and Hollywood and Vine. Right. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. And um. And so what? All right. So you. Yeah. You already mentioned basically what you felt about season two doubling down on the weird and everything. Um. So Ryan. You know, we talked quite a bit about season one. We talked about, especially your 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 feelings about the music. <laughs> In season one. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you feel about season two? Did you feel like the music improved at all? How did you... Uh, uh, well, yeah. uh, okay. Insofar uh, as when they stuck to, like, New Orleans-inspired music, yes. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of uh, jazz, But whenever yeah. they tried to do a rock cover, it got bad. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you want to jump right to it, like the last episode, they started to do uh, Take On Me. Um, mm. And I just cried and died a little inside. <laughs> Not okay, but overall, all right, so how did you feel about the, the season overall, though? Overall, okay. I, honestly, I kind of look at it as three acts. Mm. Um, yeah, season one was the, the slowest burn possible, but it paid off. Yeah. Uh, season right. two, the the first 
third of it, give or take, was like, okay, I'm like, yeah, I still got this residual warmth from season one, and I'm digging it, and I see the characters are living with the, the ramifications, the fallout from season one, mm-hmm. and hey, we've got to do all that. But they're also using their abilities. We don't have to go through that whole, how do I do this? You know, what? Why am I doing this? So cool, dig it. Middle of it gets dark and interesting, mm-hmm. and I'm loving it because they're delving into issues that even the Netflix shows didn't go near. Yeah. I mean, they 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 do stuff that um, just makes you uncomfortable, and and in mm-hmm. that sense, it's like wow. And then they totally drop the ball. But, the but, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hey, remember for the first season, we talked about how we were we were digging it and digging it until that ending where it's just like, oh, let's just link hands, and you know that's the yeah. resolution. And so, <laughs> and you that's know. kind of what happened in the end here. Again, it's just it was it, for me the the middle of it. Uh, reached a creative and uh, I, I would dare say societal importance that just it went off a cliff. Yeah, it, it was it was not quite as uncomfortable to me as Jessica Jones season one, but it was <laughs> treading into that same territory. Yeah, yeah. right. Just I mean, like human trafficking is not something you normally see in a superhero type story. Yeah, or, or or it's so tangential, like, the hero, like, opens the doors for wherever the people are being held, and they just run out. And you don't really, like, examine the psychological <laughs> ramifications of it or anything. It's just like, oh, I just freed some people, you know. Let's leave it there, exactly. Right. But, I mean, yeah, this is on a network that used to be ABC Family, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, exactly. Normally, it's Daredevil opens up the, the container and the women run out. Or Yeah, exactly. This mm-hmm. was, like, we're giving them drugs. We've got hotels all set up, and it was just... Ugh, it was well, painful, and Tandy has to live in it, albeit for a yes. short period of time, you yes. know. And I was really worried where that was gonna go. And they danced around it, uh, you know, like did. what may or may not happen to her. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so I give them credit for going there. On mm-hmm. that. No, yeah, that I, I completely agree. Uh, Mike, what did you think about season two? Uh I liked it. It was definitely a different direction. Or at least it was a it was the same strong message that we got from season one, just in a different to a different aspect. Mm. Uh, the, the the what's the word? Honestly, the human trafficking that we all see now in our everyday lives or even that's reported. They really put a focus on that uh, in this season. And then, you of course, have Ty trying to just trying to live literally on the run. Uh, mm-hmm. seeing gangbangers, seeing drugs throughout the city. I like how, once again, this season didn't go too off the rails and really kept it on the ground. Mm-hmm. And and that's one thing I will uh, I give Cloak and Dagger that, is these are definitely the street heroes that we all love, especially in the Netflix shows, but they don't go too extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who absolutely adores Cloak and Dagger, I, mean, I think I mentioned this on the last one, I wanted something that was more like a gritty Netflix series for Cloak and Dagger when I, you know, but, you know, they're definitely doing their own version with us. And, you know, it's it's an interesting show in and of its own right um, because of the things that they're doing with it. Um, yeah, I mean, for season two, I never in a million years thought that I'd see Despair. <laughs> I just like completely just went like they're going with despair, really. <laughs> I mean, he's obviously very very different from the comic version, um, but I still was very tickled uh, by having despair. Um, 
really enjoyed uh, seeing Mayhem. I was a little worried at first when they had the two different O'Reillys, and I was kind of like, eh, but then they resolved that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, like you guys have talked about, very topical. You know, both with Tyrone being accused of something that he didn't do, um, and, uh, and, and Tandy and the human trafficking storyline that they put her through, um, and even the domestic violence carryover from season one. I mean, all of that is really, you know, topical and, you know, made it a stronger series. I mean, how can we really want to go into it? You know, the, the, the priest with his alcoholism is, you know, part of it too. Although I don't think they really delved into that one too much. Um, I think, I think for, for, for what they did, they, they packed in a lot yeah. in, a, in a very, and we always talked about as well that a lot of our big, our big episode or big shows, they have like 24, 20 episodes. And it's like, you know, they really could have compacted it. Mark Cloak and Dagger. They compacted it. And even having the, I like the side story of the pastor, even if he wasn't true as involved in the season as he was last, he was at least still tied to everything. Mm. And I, I absolutely, I'm pretty sure you're going to talk about the character anyways, but I like, I just love that he started out as back on the uh, on the wagon he's uh yeah, he's back on the drinking then he's just like now, then going through honestly re withdrawal and trying to better himself just like he's on that edge and then boom he's at the uh halfway house trying to be better it's like you know he's just he's a strong guy to do that and not everybody has that kind of strength and just seeing even those three small aspects really helped that character especially in the long run to uh on how he helped out the, the family once again yeah so what do you guys think about, you know, because it seems like a lot of the characters who were more prominent in the last season, um, you know, kind of backed off the parents. Um, we didn't see anywhere near as much of them. Uh, you know, the, the priest, we saw a lot less of him. Uh, the scientist, I, I can't remember her name. I know Ryan had some choice words about her last time. Um, <laughs> 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 about her performance. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, they were all there. Heck, even Tandy's ex-boyfriend was there, albeit in, like, one episode uh, as a dream or a parallel reality or something. Um, so, you know, do you guys feel like they're trying to segue the show into something else? Or do you think if no. there's a season three, it's going to still be the same? You know, because that ending almost hints that it's now going to be like a show where they go from place to place rather than... You know, like a show that's like steeped in uh, Louisiana. Runaways. Well, I think I think that the uh, you know the original the original characters were were runaways, and the show and and the the comics were emphatically about um, uh, organized crime and drug use. You know, mm -hmm. it was it was all about that, and and they and it was because they couldn't really talk about. Uh, human sex trafficking and stuff like that not not in a in any kind of a way that that uh, that would have resonated you know mm -hmm. so I think by by um, diminishing their reliance on the adults uh, because we've seen that most of the adults in the show are untrustworthy anyways and so I think that that whole um, I, I think that whole move is intentional because w what works best is cloak and dagger keeping their own counsel, not trusting people and, and doing what they think is right. And I mm -hmm. think that 
I think that's what we saw the shift from, you know, uh, in, in season two. We see, you know, time and time again, they reach out to people that they think they can trust. And most of the time they get their hands slapped, you know. Yeah. Oh, and then when they do when they do find people who are who they can trust, it's a compromised trust, or uh, there's there's another agenda in place, and uh, and and the things that matter to them are not the things that matter to uh, cloak and dagger, right? So mm-hmm. I think I think this is a good thing. This this move away and this uh, sort of uh, bid for autonomy as a character. Yeah. No. Uh, and so, Mike, what do you think? I'm not really too sad that we had less of the parents. Yeah. I think I I think really we focused more on the actual stars. We focused on uh Cloak and Dagger and that was fantastic cuz I and really O'Reilly. And, and O'Reilly actually. Don't forget yeah. about O'Reilly. My bad. I really I have, like her. I I <laughs> well, I have choice words about mayhem. <laughs> uh but we we really and with it being a short season, we had to keep everything tight, so we couldn't really focus too much on uh, on the other adults. And like it was said, they're really kind of untrustworthy. And mm. we we see and this is they're these two are probably more runaways than the actual runaways at this point. Totally. <laughs> Which, I know you got the scene where like the you know Tyrone's like you know you can't kill Scarf you can't kill Scarf and then the mom's like taking out all the knives and crap and it's like oh my god this is getting really dark <laughs> so even though it's like it's because of what happened to her son that she's getting this way it's like you can't even trust mom mom's just gonna be like I'm just gonna cut you <laughs> we're gonna have dinner and then we're going to see what kind of skin you have we're gonna flick it <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh these the kids did a phen- a phenomenal job really just doing their stuff and and O'Reilly as well. We'll hear, we'll, we'll we'll make her a kid. She's a kid at heart. <laughs> uh but missing any of the adult action, what could really I mean the even question comes in if we even had like two or three more episodes, what really could the adults have have done to really impact the story even more? That the uh, that the kids were already not doing. Yeah, right. I mean, we will have seen a, a longer cutscene of the of uh, of Ty's dad working on the cloak, and probably give him more uh, more analogies on what's going on and his friend trying to calm him down from it's like I can't see my son, like my family's broken, and and even the mom. We probably would have seen a much longer dinner scene. Honestly. Well, well, yeah. I mean, Candy arguing with her mom is one of those things that we really don't need a whole lot more of. Also, we do not. We yeah. do not. Yeah. And uh, Ryan, what do you think about you know the the sort of you know the the move of the series, the transition of the series? Do you think that we're going towards something you know where they have a little more autonomy, or do you think that things will probably be back to status quo with the season three? Well, I think honestly, Cloak and Dagger is one of the few shows that can have it both ways. Um, by which I mean they've set up some storylines um, for some of the tertiary characters, which could either end exactly where they are, like you know, maniac murderer mom, or um, uh, uh, Evita being married to a demigod. Um, they've set these things up. So that it, it could end right there, or we can go back and explore some serious uh, repercussions of those. And while it would absolutely be interesting to see, you know, uh, the two "quote unquote" kids on the road, um, the reality is is when one of them can teleport, <laughs> they can they can be in Nashville 
in episode one, then back in New Orleans and, and for episode two, three, and four, mm-hmm. and then in Ontario and you know five and six, wherever. It's just uh, they haven't quite realized that yet. But it's all really Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's just one of the things I was thinking of. Like, for instance, I really think that that scene at the end of the last episode when Tyrone looks at Evita from across the graveyard, you know, I thought that that was basically goodbye. You know, like, yeah, you've moved on and we're done. And, you know, we're probably not going to see Evita again, was my thinking. Uh, but at the from same that. time, after setting her up like that, I feel like we have to explore that some more. But then. Why? Because she's... It's done. I mean, that's her life now. (laughs) Forever. That's why she didn't want it. She told the, you know, she told her on, I I don't want it. You know, like, I I wanted to do all these other things. And she was like, you're bad. Well, then let me put you this way. Tyrone has to learn that she did it so that he can feel guilty. Well, fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. And I almost felt like that ending was segueing into, you know, Tandy and Tyrone being the couple. Um, Yeah. You know, talking about waffles on the bus. They can't. Yeah. They can't. They can't be the couple. Yeah. Why not? They, 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 uh, they just can't be romantic. It's it's got to be a it's got to be a brotherly sisterly thing. But that's cloak and dagger. They've always loved each other. Right. Right. But it should. It. The, I think the romance uh, in in a television series, when you when you put the romance on it, you it becomes a romance in in structure. Okay. Now, now to be fair, this is when the show was first announced. They said it was an interracial love story. So now they could have changed their mind since then or whatever, but I think that that is what they're going for. But I could be completely wrong about that. Well, they need to consult with me for before they <laughs> okay. make that And, you know, they can love each other, and it and love comes in many forms. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it could still be a love story. <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, no. I get that. I get that. I don't think that that's what you mean when you no, say it's an interracial so. love story. <laughs> but no. Good but points for, for trying, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So let's talk about our cast. So um, let's talk about Tandy. Um, why don't you start us off on that one, Ryan? Well, uh, I liked her. I liked her more this season than I did last mm. season. Um, I feel like she had more. Not. I don't know if I'd say character development, but more character responsibility. She um, has more purpose. Yeah, maybe that's than what just I, trying to survive was all she was doing in the last mm. season. Yeah. yeah, last season she was forced to be a better person. This mm. season she wanted to be a better person. Um, mm. I, I just kind of maybe how I would uh, describe it. Uh, I mean, like I already described the middle arc when when she is when she goes. The only thing I maybe didn't like is is that the series fell into that typical trope where nobody talks to each other mm. and things get. <laughs> Things are so much worse than they could be because everyone's just too angry or prideful or whatever to either ask for help or to. Well, explain the sad how- thing is, Tandy's confiding in the nice people that run the uh, the, the, yeah. the, the, the the group, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 they're the the people she shouldn't be confiding in. So I mean, she was talking; she's just talking to the wrong people. She, she's talking to the people who, when they come on screen. If everyone goes, that's the villain right there, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, did so, you did you guess that already? Oh, okay. I, 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 I did I, guess it's fair. I did oh, guess okay. the the no. uh, group leader. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought she was just a nice lady that was running a group for women who you know had had been victims of violence. Yeah. 
No, but when when she ran, bumped into him, you know, talk helping, you know, on the street talking about the posters and and mm. been looking for them and everything. I was like, yeah, he knows. He, he he's the one who's been taking them. Um, mm. I didn't know why, or right. you know, so that was yeah. But yeah, so I, I guess the only thing, even Tandy's relationship with her mother this season, which was probably the most boring part of her storyline was still compelling in the sense that it was more of her recovery, uh, more of her understanding um, what she went through as a child, what she suppressed. And and we explore that in her dream sequence or fantasy sequence or whatever, where um, she's living her alternate lives. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I just liked Tandy a lot more this season than I did last season. Uh, M- Mike, would you agree with that? A little bit. How do you feel about Tandy? She, she, she learned from last season, but of course, like she said, she really wasn't over her father a lot. And I actually got really frustrated every time she spoke at group or even her mother. It's like, if you, if you're in this situation, just walk away. And I'm like, ah, you can't though. And every Mm. time she said it, it was just, frustrating and frustrating and frustrating. It's like, uh, stop it, stop it. Uh, I I love that the growth that Tandy did in this because she really, she had a lot of rage and a lot, and she really could have done more with mayhem. But I feel that because of Ty, she really held back and did the smart thing. And she didn't ever want to cross that line that mayhem was willing to do. Uh, this season, Tandy really, uh, yes, pun intended, shined. <laughs> she she really did shine this season, and try, and even at the beginning of the season where she's doing the bat, she's trying to get mm-hmm. back into ballet. I really mm-hmm. felt like she's finding some normalcy. Her mom is finding normalcy, and I, I it was a, it was great to see this after what we saw in the first season. This mm-hmm. was. A good happy. This was even though it was the beginning of the story, it felt like a good happy ending from her. And even though that her anti basically kind of switched places uh, in society, uh, I really did enjoy Tandy this season. She she did the actress did, she did a great job. I love it. I, I kind of like the the dance that they're doing with that because you know in the comics it's very much like Tandy came from a rich background, Ty came from a poor background, and here it's like they've they've been flip flopping all along. When Tandy was a little girl, it was one way. Then her dad died and it flipped the other way, and now it's flipping back. You know, her Ty's on the run and everything, and Tandy's getting into you know sort of a better place in her life. And I I sort of like that dance. I like the symmetry of it. Um, you know, uh, and. Uh, I, I kind of do like the ballet outfit as the stand-in for her costume. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're obviously never going to get the comic accurate costume. Sad face. Um, but, <laughs> 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 but uh, you know, I felt felt like a ballet outfit like was you know a, a suitable um, replacement for a more real world or grounded look. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mark, what did you think about uh, Tandy this season? I I I think she's great. She's a she Olivia Holt's a really cool actress. Uh, she's done some uh, she's done a, a, some other work. Uh, I'm trying to think what what I've seen her in that was uh, I forget what it was. Uh, but uh, I remember thinking she was pretty charming then. And uh, she's really done a good job with this. Uh, I like what uh, you guys were saying about um, the. 
the symmetry and getting back to normal. And uh, I agree that um, her response in group was was naive, but I, I think it was also born out of a genuine concern for, mm. you know, the situation without a lot of empathy. And that's I think that's a, a hallmark of teenagers uh, is that uh a lot of them lack empathy. Even even teenagers have been through traumatic circumstances. So, part of this uh, season was her finding her emotional resonance. You know, uh, she starts out a little too hard in season one. You know, as she's running grifts and cons and not afraid to lie to get into places. And you know, she wants to know the truth in a kind of a Nancy Drew kind of way, but she's pretty morally ambiguous. And uh, after this and having her go through and literally walk a mile in other people's shoes and also see the results of uh, these sort of extreme points of view, I think we're going to find she's a lot more empathetic. She was always the heart of the duo, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is her finding that, you know, I think they find, I think the two characters find their rhythm in this show um, in a, in a good way. So, yeah. Well, I, I also think the fact that they're riding off together at the end kind of speaks to them finding a sort of harmony, right? right. So we're talking about how they're sort of dancing around each other, you know, their whole lives, and, and one's up, one's down kind of thing. And I think now with them on the bus together, it's kind of like they're they're together and they're sort of sharing the good and the bad. Um, but, but we'll see if they capitalize on that, but that's sort of my feeling about uh, how it ended up there. Um, I will say that the only time I was kind of worried to the extent of, oh, you should know better, is when she intimidated the boyfriend, because I thought that was going to go a whole different thing where, yeah, she was going to scare that boyfriend of the girl from group, but then he was going to do something horrible to her when she came home, thinking she had put, he had put Tandy up to doing that. Uh, but instead, she never came home, and it was part of the whole human trafficking storyline that they started out. But that that kind of worried me, that I was like, oh no, can't Tandy, this is this is bad. He's, he's, he's not going to take this well, and you think he's going to be too scared to touch her, but then, you know, it's going to go really bad. Well, um, I, I think that was, I think that was intentional. You know, uh, mm. part of, uh, part of those episodes was, was us like shouting at the TV, you're doing it wrong, you know, <laughs> yeah. and not, and, and, and uh, that's a good thing. Cause at this point, you know, we're engaged, you know, we want her to make better choices, but, uh, from an audience perspective, um, if she just suddenly gets a conscience that, that plays a little false and it's, you know, it's one of the notes that occasionally shows up in the DC shows, uh, this, this idea of altruism, you know, which mm -hmm. is which is fine in in small quantities, but I th I think it's always better when you can hang those noble intentions on a, a, a realized hook. However small the hook is, I, it just holds up better. Yeah. I I also think it's yeah. uh it kind of even though they have no problems uh going along with tropes, it's one where they kind of defy it because like to your point, Nathan, I, I felt that same way. She's completely ticked off this boyfriend and he's just going to take it out on the girl and that's and this ultimately in any other show or or any time in the past this would have led to mm -hmm. tandy learning a lesson you know about her powers or her abilities or in moderation or something like that or there are other ways you have mm -hmm. to do this you know uh but that didn't happen but i, I same same like same as you i was on the edge of my seat expecting 
to come expecting the police to be called out to the house, you know, because of a body or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because here's the thing. I mean, you know, Mike talked about the fact that she was yelling at the people in group. And yeah, I mean, we're all mature enough to know that that's not the thing that you do, right? And that there's complex emotional and social issues at work that cause people to stay in you know battered you know home type situation you know you know that that happens but i think that's a very real reaction because i have to stop myself from going like you know like why in the world would you stay with it you know i mean like when i hear about situations like this where you go like my god just walk out you know uh but you know so i think that that's real you know, uh, and I think, like Mark was saying, because she's younger, she doesn't have the maturity to, like, sort of stifle mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that part of herself, you know, that, that wants to say that. So, you know, I didn't really have a problem with that as much. I felt like she should get a clue and realize a little bit of empathy, you know, get a little bit of empathy here. But I, I got where she was coming from. But, yeah, the, the violence, because I was just like, yeah, you know, like, whenever people try to, like, intimidate uh, somebody who beats their girlfriend or wife or whatever, it does not go well. But, you know, that that had me worried. But, yeah, like you say, it made it interesting because it was like, oh, this is different. This wasn't what I was expecting at all. So um, I did like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I mean, what do you guys feel like about her reaction to being at the hotel? You guys have seen it, Mike and, or, uh, Mike and Ryan, you've seen it more recently than I have, but I seem to recall, like, like Ryan said, even though I'm pretty sure nothing actually happened and that she was rescued beforehand, the way she acts afterwards makes me wonder if they, like, skipped a scene or something and we're supposed to be implied that she was raped while I she think was it, there. I think it was, uh... I think it was just a sort of a sobering moment for her to realize mm-hmm. how badly she'd been duped, you know, how badly she'd screwed up. Yeah. Or how powerless she could be, yeah, I guess, is yeah. another she's way. Because these... the, the first half of the season, she's reveling in her power, and then it's like, now you're in a state right. of your power. Right, and I think, I think that, was the, that was my read on it. You know, of course, I was mm. just as concerned and worried, you know, for that reason as well. But... Uh, I think in the end that worked out uh, because we, you know, it's a it's a very well written show. They did a great job of uh, showing, not telling, and they did a really good job of. Mm. Um, I don't remember uh, if it was Mike that said it. Uh, they put a lot in this in this season, uh, an awful lot mm. of of stuff made it into the season that would have been just fine had it not been um uh had it been any other show you know they they could they could have cut the number of subplots and horribleness in half and we would have still felt like wow new orleans really sucks (laughs) (laughs) but it's like everybody doubled down so um no i i think i think that was a, a really cool turn for her and uh, it, 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 even if it's implied, you know that's okay. Um, I, I don't think that uh, I, I don't think that she. Uh, I don't think they skipped a scene. In other words, I think what we see, saw was what we were supposed to get. For me, it was just surreal. It, it was. I was really thinking, how far will Freeform go? As soon as the guy walked in, put the money on the table, I started yeah. getting scared. Uh-huh. I, and, and uh-huh. it just seeing her, seeing her face, knowing exactly the next steps that are about to happen, it's like, oh, uh, 
uh, can. Well, like, just like, holy crap. Like, I'm just, I was getting so much anxiety just from watching it. And I can, I, you know, I can even say, I cannot imagine what any other female viewer was even watching or people who have actually gone through that. It, it was, it was unreal. And, and it's for me as a guy, it was just, I, mean, I have sisters, I have little nieces. And it's like, oh, uh, can men be better? Can this whole situation just never happen ever again? But as apparently, and I'm not going to say New Orleans is a show. It's just a, it's a bad place. But it's like, this is not a good representation, but at least in this universe it is. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I don't think it has anything really to do with New Orleans. I mean, human trafficking yeah, yeah, is a thing. Everywhere. So, I mean, it's like, and I mean, they actually put the human trafficking hotline on the mm-hmm. end of the episodes. I don't know if any of you guys who are streaming them noticed that, but um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, they're, they were really making a uh, effort there to heighten awareness, I think. Yeah, also, it was, uh, it was just crazy. Cause, and you're absolutely right, Nathan. It was, she had so much power. She had so much belief in herself and her principles. And then all of a sudden, she loses it and sees how truly vulnerable she is. And I give her gumption. She was like, I'm getting out of here. It's okay. I'm going to take, like talking to the other girl, like, I'm going to take you with me. We're going to get this done. Let's do it, girlfriend. Uh, you have too much of that. You need to bring it down. Just bring it down. It's, it's not going to work out. It's not going to work. And there goes the hope crushed. There it goes. Uh, the depiction of despair's power and how it works was very interesting. Yeah, I never knew me. who that character was. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, he in, in the comics he's he's a demon and he likes yeah, despair. You know, like they do. spreads despair. <laughs> <laughs> right. So 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 the way they did it was very different, and I liked that. But you know, um, I think it worked very well with how they're doing the series. But uh, I think the whole the me- metaphor of the records. Uh, and the and the stories on the records I thought was just absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. uh, really got it across in a crystal clear way. And uh, by taking these, you know, in the comics, it's okay to have a splash page of just nonsense behind the characters floating in space, going, "Oh, we're going to the other world now, where we can do stuff to make the things do the stuff." And you go, "Oh yeah, cool, uh, astral plane, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, whatever." Um, but you know, that's because we all grew up reading that stuff. If you're trying to show this to kids who go, "I like superheroes," what kind of superheroes? The super kind. Okay, great. You don't. They don't have the reading that we have. They're not as deeply admired. So by anchoring their these um, these otherly otherworldly realms uh, to to very real things, and of course it ties into uh, the guy and his his music and his playing, and I mean it all it all fits. You know, uh, it makes a really tidy package. And so anytime we are looking at the records, and anytime we're in the record store, we know where we are. That's and that's so smart. Anyway, I. Mm-hmm. The, I admired that. Yeah, admired that a lot sorry. as a writer. I, I do want to talk more about despair in a bit, but I'm talking more about the way that Tandy, you know, had to live through yeah. those different like. Oh, that! Oh, yeah, that stuff herself. was amazing. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so, so it sort of gave you the the feel for how this works. Of he's showing you these lives without some aspect yeah. of hope, you know, so that so that that's what causes the people to sort of lose their hope and and start wallowing in despair because he takes away the things that gave them you know anything to wish for or hope for or anything like that. And so I thought that that worked really well. I think um, 
that this storyline, I mean, from Tandy's time in the hotel to Despair's power, it kind of just showcased what you can do with good writing. Because like uh, mm-hmm. HBO or any other pay channel would have just gone the easy route and gone with violence or, or you know, drugs or, or something else to establish that same situation um, with being not having the limitations that being on basic cable has. And so here they had to get across this despair, this hopelessness, this sense of, of panic that we were all feeling. And they had to do it in that storyline in a way that would not be censored. And yeah, they left it in my opinion, they left it kind of ambiguous exactly what happened to Tandy. And in my opinion, that was on purpose. But uh, it really doesn't necessarily matter because the story wasn't how she was hurt. It was how she comes back from that. Right. Um, yeah. Right. And, and I, I think they handled it expertly. Yeah. Well, you, you see that she's reluctant afterwards. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to go back to doing it, which, you know, it means a typical hero thing. You know, it's like the hero, you know, gets excited because they have power. But then the hero has something that holds them back, and then they have to overcome it. So, you know, it's the it's that typical journey, but it's done in a way that's, right. you know, uh, different than, than what we've seen before. And they, they did it in such a way where you have to be very careful. And in, in comic books, there's this tradition where, you know, the only way to hurt a, a female character or a woman or whatever, to humble her or whatever, is rape. That's the only option that we have. I mean, I'm not going to mention any writers' names, but they might have wrote Watchmen and, and several other uh, pieces. <laughs> but that's that's literally what they rely on in almost every yeah. story. And so this said, yeah, we acknowledge that that's a real thing, but uh, – there are other ways to humble a character who is a woman, you know, besides just this, that that's just lazy writing. Yeah. I, I never got that vibe, but I, I mean, I, but I guess it's because they made it real clear. We're going to be talking about the whole of human trafficking. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I, I never, uh, I, I didn't think we were going to get into that territory, uh, so much, uh, as it was going to be the thing that they were going to be fighting against, which again is, like I said before, very, very much in the uh, in the ballywick of Cloak and Dagger's storytelling, anyways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we need to move on though, and uh, because we're we're getting kind of late in time, uh, and talk about Tyrone um, as the second half of our divine pairing. Um, so, Mike, what did you think about what they were doing with Tyrone this season? Tyrone, man, uh, I definitely like that he. Kind of just basically embrace being a superhero and <laughs> trying mm. to trying to bust drugs and stop it all. Uh, I miss his cloak. I definitely miss the actual cloak. Even though we only have like maybe mm-hmm. one episode last season, it I certainly miss it. But with Ty, he was really just trying to find his place in his new surroundings. He I love that he was still doing his uh his schoolwork he was he, uh, that mm. was a deterrent that was really a clear sign to all the little brothers out there to keep doing your schoolwork but hey <laughs> you can still have fun and do other things like save people but stick to your homework uh don't do drugs, don't do drugs. <laughs> um with ty still even learning and testing his abilities uh I feel that he also had he there was a little fear because he was still also remembering that he ate a guy. <laughs> and that's how I'll, I'll always Man. phrase it. He ate a guy. 
I, you know, I, I'm going to say this. While I get how they tied it in with despair and everything else, I'm still a little bit disappoint, disappointed that when Tyrone absorbs somebody, they don't just go to infinite blackness and cold. Because I love that reaction when people actually do come out of the cloak and they're like, so cold, <laughs> so dark, you know. And that's I, I, I want Ty to be intimidating like he is in the comics. I even want him to have, like, the, the voice that needs scratchy, deep black, you know, lettering. Because, I mean, you know. I mean he's, going through, he's going through puberty, I, I mean. Cl- you hear that voice crackle. He, he just needs bass now. He just needs bass. Uh, uh, but with Ty yeah. just learn, still learning his abilities, he his his girl that he was he did a stupid move with her. He did a stupid, stupid move in. It was understandable he was trying to protect her. At the same time, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of like give her like a little hint here and there because when she blew up on him, it was like wow. Mike, do you remember us talking about him last season and how clueless he was? Yeah. Like, he didn't understand what girl was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poor Ty. Yeah, poor Ty. <laughs> see, I, see, that's the other thing I like. I thought I, I liked seeing him doing stuff, and again, not always getting it right, you know, but but uh, right. I liked him leaning into that responsibility even as they were trying to pin a, a murder charge on him. So, uh, very vintage Marvel in that regard, and also much more interesting to to watch you know uh it's the it's the uh the old uh hair shirt of you know uh we uh, we're not gonna make those mistakes again no that's right we're gonna make all new mistakes you know <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and that's what they did so uh yeah. i i really thought that he did he uh came out a little bit more of his shell in this season uh i liked that he was more assertive I felt like he was a windsock in the first uh, season. Uh, you know, whatever everybody kind of told him to do is what he did. And he'd, he'd do mm-hmm. something until somebody would say not to do it. He'd, he, he, you know, he was like the he was like those uh, cars that you got when you were kids that would like run into a wall and then bounce back and then turn and go another direction and it hit something and bounce and go another direction. That was him. And he seemed a lot more focused in season two. I, I really liked season two in almost every capacity uh, because I, I really think they just got a lot smarter with things. Uh, I felt like these characters had had direct growth. I felt like they had evolved from season one to season two. And I feel like they evolved over the course of season two so that season three is going to start with them in a different place as well. And that's that's about all. That's the best you can hope for in a, in a show like this where there are, are – strange things and consequences and stuff like that. But I thought, I thought, uh, uh, Aubrey Joseph did a fantastic job. Uh, he, he, he's really coming to his own in this regard. Um, in a way that, uh, I, I think that, I think that, um, Olivia Holt was a better actress in season one. And I think they're about equally matched here in season two. So, Hmm. Yeah, um, I, I will say, though, you know, we were talking before about, like, sort of Netflix and getting a Netflix vibe from some of the things, even though it's clearly aimed at a younger audience than the Netflix shows. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I like is, you know, I felt like there was sort of an emotional resonance between what was going on with Tandy and, and what had happened with Jessica Jones. And I feel that, you know, outright with um, Cloak, you know, we have the newspaper article yeah. about Luke Cage. And we actually have some dialogue about Luke and what Luke is doing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, ignoring the fact that he's now become the villain. But, you know, they don't know that. But, 
<laughs> I hate that you ended it there, Netflix. But um, you know, uh, yeah. So I mean, Mike, did did that? Did that make your heart flutter a little bit? It did. It it kind of did because again, I didn't really watch. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch Cloak and Dagger when it was actually airing, and I think I heard like a murmur about it. But then mm-hmm. during my binge, actually seeing it, uh, it was like, oh, dude, and I'm like, what? They're talking about. <laughs> Oh my god! And in that regard, it was cool that they actually did connect the Netflix thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then, like Luke Cage is, of course, really looked upon by the younger black youth of today. And, and then seeing him mentioned here, and we're talking to an, a, a somewhat ex-gang member who's cleaned up his act a little bit thanks to Ty. Just talk about it's like, hey man, he's he might be bulletproof, but he's still a brother. He, I mean, he's still one of us. Mm. He's he's doing good out there. You doing good? I'm like I'm, I'm trying. Like okay, good. Like I'm like you, you can't read. Let me read this to you. It's like oh, read. Oh, and there's another societal commentary. That's right. I forgot about that. That the friend was uh, was illiterate, and so again talking about that. So yeah, I mean because I mean yeah, he, he they, went, they were all over. Yeah, I mean he went <laughs> he went straight in the game. So I mean he left school, mm. and this is that, that was his mm. life, and. And just the mention of Luke Cage to a black youth, it it did warm my heart a bit because like that's someone that the kids can look up to. That's a that is uh, or was a positive role model, uh, <laughs> right. and that really helped out with with Ty trying to convey him to do this sense of good. Luke was the original hoodie guy. He was, he, he was the OG. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ryan, what do you think about Cloak? Uh, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think they started off at opposite points this season, and uh, his, his story was interesting. I, I, basically, I don't know. I, I feel like he did as well as yet last season. He was my favorite of the two last season, um, and he didn't underperform. Uh, I feel like he explored his abilities. He tried to be the hero. Uh, he wanted to make a difference in the city. And I think maybe a lot of that was channeling um, the, the fact that he was a criminal. He started off living in this church, and mm. and you know he's just avoiding the depression uh, by doing all these things. But it worked for him to the point But they also managed to, in his relationship with O'Reilly at the very beginning, display his naivety and, and how he thinks he's doing good, but sometimes he's just making things worse. Um which again, it kind of goes back to how I thought was going to happen with Tandy with um with that one boyfriend. But uh, all in all, I feel like just the they did a good job of capturing the character's sense of of power, as it were. Because he, in a lot of ways, yes, I know Dagger is you know powerful with her light up night knives and everything, blah blah blah. But Cloak is powerful you know he's it's got it's it's, it borders on terrifying and maybe he didn't have the christian bale batman voice but uh they still did a good job with their limited budget of whenever they did show him you know just kind of the wispy shadowy cloak of making it look demonic no i agree with that um you know 
I, I'm, uh, you know, you're never going to divorce my love of their characters from the <laughs> comics, from the from the TV yeah. series. I, you know, they're doing a different take, and it's enjoyable enough as it is. I just, you it know, is. there was something that I wanted. Out, I wanted Cloak. I want Cloak, and he can still transition that way. We talked about it last year, mm-hmm. where, like, you know, my thinking was that they could have had Ty be the one who dies, but then, like, he, the Cloak is all that survives, and so it's almost uh-huh. like being the, you know, being that character character would be you know like sort of the way of him like continuing even though you know like his physical form had been given up um and and doing something along those lines so well one one thing i do think it's worth mentioning for his arc this season was his relationship with connors and that basically this is Mm -hmm. the guy who killed his brother and he hates him hating this man has been the the centerpiece of his character for years, and he has this opportunity to to kill him, to have his revenge, to do everything he's wanted to do, and he finds that he his character is such that he can't. Admittedly, you could argue he's still responsible for Connor's death by taking him to his mom, but um, for a minute there, he's faced with the choice of going down that dark path, and and he would have been totally justified in doing it, but he still didn't. I liked Ty in this one too. Um, I think that you know he he definitely grew as a character. Um, I got that same feeling of sort of like the guy that that wasn't really like you know like he didn't really have much of a purpose or whatever. He just wanted to sort of get back at Connors last season. But like you said, Ryan, even in that season two was an interesting change up because you know he he didn't you know he wasn't just about getting back at Connors this time. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it was it was, it was was interesting how they played all that. And so I, I definitely liked um, that part of the arc, and I definitely liked that they tied in with Luke Cage because, again, this <laughs> is the stuff that makes... No, 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 and here's why. This is the stuff that makes the MCU great. I don't need everyone to guest star in everybody's movie. You know, and I think that that's sort of what Marvel's thinking is that's what everybody needs is, like, you know, no more solo movies. It's all like, hey, it's this character and this character, too, and we don't need that. What I like is those subtle connections, those things of, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, a young black kid would think that Luke Cage was awesome. You know, and like, and, and, and you know, that sort of thing of just like, yeah, because it just makes sense that these guys all live in the same universe. And, you know, that, that, that there would be that sort of cross-pollination, um, you know, going on. So uh, I like those subtle nods. And um, I know that we disagree on this, uh, Ryan, but I do believe after last season that Runaways is in the MCU and that we're going to see that actually happening with the next season of Runaways. But uh, Whoa, we'll see. I, I said, I said, it, well, yeah, okay, no, you're right. I did, I did argue. <laughs> you're right. Well, you I argued with yeah. me that it wasn't in the MCU and that it was a standalone thing. I argued there was evidence that it wasn't. But um, yeah, <laughs> but then I also argued in season two that there's evidence that it was. <laughs> Um, There's a connection in season two. Right. I was the one arguing that it was that season two proved it. And you were the one telling me that it didn't. So don't, don't start that. (laughs) Don't start that. But anyway, um, all right, let's talk about O'Reilly. And we did the uh, transporter accident at first where we got split into good O'Reilly and bad O'Reilly, which I wasn't super thrilled. At first I thought maybe she like had a flip flopping personality. And she was going between being, you know, O'Reilly and being Mayhem. Uh, But then, you know, we get the thing that, no, they actually physically split. Um, 
you know, and that was interesting just because you got the sort of timid, you know, good side of the character, and you got the, you know, uh, sort of darker, more aggressive. I won't call her evil. I don't think that Mayhem is evil. She is a darker and more aggressive version. Primal. And, yeah, primal. And because she, she definitely wants to do the right thing. And when she's even talking with the priest, you know, she says that, like, you know, what if you're a bad person, but you want to do good? And he's like, then, then be a bad person to bad people. You know, and that's there's some some words to that effect, and so that's what she sort of takes away from that, and uh, and and that whole thing, and then you know, I mean, I kind of like the way that they merged them back together at the end, but with mayhem, you know, at the wheel or however they you know said it. So um, that that made me feel a lot better about the whole thing because I didn't really want to because that that felt too much like trying to have your cake and eat it too. Oh, we can have a good version of her and a you know a bad version of her, and I kind of like that they're together now. Um, so, uh, Mark, let's start with you on this. What did you think about how they realized mayhem uh, in this season? Well, I don't have a horse in this race, uh, so it worked just fine for me. You know, um, I, I, I really the whole turn that they've been doing um, using, um, you know, with Agents of Shield uh, having. Dark Force and Doppelgangers and with, you know, they've been really shoehorning a lot of these like secondary, you know, second and tertiary uh, level comic book concepts into these TV shows. So uh, I didn't mind at all. In fact, I kind of dug it. I like the idea of the of the there's the light character and there's the shadow character. And of course, that's, you know all about the cloak and dagger, you know, aesthetic. And it, um, but it she's plays. the green character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got your light, you got dark and you got your green. Yeah. And, 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 or, you know, or, you know, emphatically good and evil or how you want to, you know, codify it, you know, but, uh, but I, no, I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. I liked that character in season one. And, uh, I like that she is sort of the dark horse player in season in season two. This, um, you know, this kind of fit in with um, the season three Daredevil, right? Mm-hmm. Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of that, um, all of that kind of worked for me. I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, I was, you know, I was really taken with this season. I really was. I, I like again. Uh, may, and maybe it's because I don't. I wouldn't say I, I downplayed my expectations, but I just, just was not. Um, I was not keyed up. You know, I didn't go into this going, "Oh, they better not mess this up." I was like, "Oh, let's see what they're going to do with this." And uh, so, uh, I think when you when you kind of relax and unclench your sphincter a little bit. Uh, you can some of the sunshine gets in, and you go. Well, that was really. Well, fun. no, I just so, think that. I yeah, mean, anytime I'll, you're gonna do like the split character, I don't think you can sustain that forever. So that's what I'm saying. I like that. You know, because I had just as much of a problem yeah, they, when Once Upon a well, Time they, they did, it. did it, and they and right. then they undid it. Yeah, that's what was right. the best part about it was that we we got it, and then we they put right. it back together right. again. Cool. No, no, yeah, I mean, because other shows have done that same plot line, and I'm always like. All right, you can't have this go too long because it's a little too, you know, have your cake and eat it too. And I, I still fall back on the idea that, that comes from the original Star Trek. You know, you can't parse people out that way, that they would die, you know. And so the idea that you have to integrate right. the factors of your personality back again, um, you know, uh, I think is I think is real. <laughs> and, and as much as we can talk about reality in a, in a show about people who teleport and shoot light knives... Um, 
But, uh, you know, I, I, I love that actor. I, I, I looked up her name before this and I've forgotten it already. Um, uh, Emma Lahana, something like that. Um, um, yeah. she, she, I think that she's great. Um, I liked her in season one, too. Um, I was kind of sad about her falling in the thing before I remembered, oh, yeah, she's Mayhem. <laughs> and then I, uh, you know, I loved it this season when she, like, slashes people's throats with her nails because that's Mayhem. So, um, Mike, what did you think about, uh, about uh, O'Reilly and Mayhem? I really wasn't a fan at the beginning of it, and... Mainly, it, it was probably because, again, it was a short season. Probably because we didn't, I didn't get really enough of the of the mayhem character until oh, big reveal! There's two Bridgets. I'm like, it, it was, it was just too fast for me to really absorb. I or, thought it was in her head, all in those early episodes, like when she sees the reflection and there's another one there, and I'm like, oh, it's in her head. Yeah. Oh, that's that's definitely a way to go. Anyway. Yeah, that was but my yeah. feeling too. She sees it in the puddle of water. She sees another version. Uh, yeah, uh, her head. Yeah, and uh, but then and then we were like, oh, here's Mayhem. She's doing some bad stuff, but to bad people. I did. I did definitely like that quote, uh, quote mm. from the preacher. Uh, that was really cool. And then she get ate by the cloak. Uh, she's basically like, where did she go? She's gone. I love that everyone this season uh, was like basically spying on Despair in his little mall place. And you know, it's like it's like everybody's like this weird guy. You know, the aunt's there. You know, O'Reilly's there. Everybody's just kind of like, what in the world? You know, like how's everybody getting here? This is not the Mall of America, right? <laughs> like, did you pass by the guy with all the that his room, all the ponchos? Don't worry about that guy. We we just ignore that guy. <laughs> That makes me also wonder if, like, could Despair see that guy? Like, could they, like, communicate? I don't know. I, I just think they just didn't cross paths. <laughs> yeah. If Kong's never went in the record store, you know, like, Despair didn't care. So. That's true. Uh, but with O'Reilly, I did like that we, that when she actually got to see, uh, what, what do they call it? That was Papa Legba. Uh, or the so-called Papa Legba, who is at the crossroads and at the gas station. She saw, uh, what was her uh, boyfriend's name? Oh, yeah, the fridged guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh. yeah she saw the fridge guy. <laughs> let's just go, let's, we're just going to go with that. She saw the fridge guy. No, I think that that was a nice touch because of the fact that yeah. that really, you know, was, was was a defining moment for her last season. Yeah, and so she saw him, and, that, and that's like how Pakba Legba saw and now I'm definitely going to be carrying candy everywhere I go, just in case, God forbid. It's like, <laughs> it's like hey, guy, you want some Snickers? You need a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Papa Legba needs. <laughs> oh, God. That's a joke in itself. Uh, but seeing how Mayhem really just was in the record store, just, just surveying the, the, the layout and everything, we still at least saw her. And Bridget was beside herself she or technically she was alone she wasn't even beside herself because herself was gone so she didn't really know what to do because she was half a person that's exactly how she felt and mm. it was i was trying my best to see the actress as mayhem be this tough rough person and and, and i'll give her credit because you could see it in her face the determination and and the fury and then when she went back to bridget like it was just like a switch that she just became this like 
self-conscious, nervous, just really depressed-looking human being. And it's like, that's her resting face. I'm like, ah, oh, it's rude, Aaronette. Uh, <laughs> 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 and uh, just seeing how she was trying to get inside Mame's head, because it's her. I really enjoyed that policing that she did to understand where everything going and seeing the 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 past and the present kind of like because apparent because I was trying to follow it and I had to rewind the episode a little bit I'm like oh wait so this whole time mayhem has been here while Bridget's been uh, hospitalized while everything's been going on she's had her own little subset apartment and doing this mm. hotel, hotel room, room and doing this big <laughs> investigation and we open the door and it's like yeah you guys didn't know about this it's like as, and it was like months go by. I'm like, oh, wow. That's a long time, lady. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, they was, said yeah, three, I months. three months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will give any actor credit if they can try and do a dual personality role. And I think Emma did a fantastic job on that. I Like I said, I wasn't a big fan of the Mayhem character only because I felt that we could have gotten the reveal much later on somewhere much later on it was just too quick mm. for me to go to like oh my god i would like it just took away the surprise you know yeah no but i do like i see i do like what they did with it though because i mean it makes sense that the one who was the more um conscientious one of the two the one that was uh you know more timid she would be the one to say you know i just feel like completely ineffectual you take over and just absorb me back into you and everything. So I kind of, I don't know, I liked it. I thought she performed it really well. You know, I mean, I, I always fall back on that original series Star Trek episode when we talk about this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I think she did better than Chatner, so, you know, for what it is. <laughs> Blasphemy. <laughs> and performing as the, as the two halves of a single person. <laughs> you take that back. But anyway, um, Ryan, uh, what did you... What do you think about uh, what they did um, with O'Reilly? So I think they did a pretty good job of showing that these are two definite different aspects of her from the fact that, you know, um, for lack of a better term, light O'Reilly couldn't hit a target to save her life, literally, um, to mm-hmm. the fact that dark O'Reilly is tempting uh, Tandy, like, come with me together. We can kill them all, you know, and, and, but still <laughs> operating from the same central ethos you know they both have they both came from the same place they've just gone down entirely different paths um i didn't have Mm. any too much real familiarity with the character from the comics or the source material or anything and i was worried that after her arrival on the uh after the explosion at the end of season one that she was going to be the big bad the villain season so i'm glad Mm -hmm. they didn't go that route because i did like her in season one uh and it would have been a shame to build her up to have to you know for her to die or something at the end of this season i felt like honestly i kind of wonder if we would have even gotten um drunk priest in the season at all if not to have some scenes some history with darker and if that's what it takes that's fine It, it got it did establish both characters storyline and development. Mm-hmm. The only thing 
I don't know. It's, it's a weird nitpick, but it's one of those things where, uh, and it, I get it's the limitations of the medium and and sensors and all that other stuff. But it's all, whenever anyone's split, you know, they always appear in the exact same clothing and, and everything. And it's just, it's like, uh, it's, I mean, mm-hmm. did she get the same credit cards and cash and everything with the same sequences? And I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, I kind of just, it feels tropish to me. The, yeah. the credit cards were exactly the same, <laughs> but evil. They had to be swept down and swept up. You know? <laughs> yeah. All the numbers are replaced with sixes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she might as well just parted her hair on the other side of her head or something, you know. But yeah, it was it was good. I feel like they handled it in in a great way. I especially loved. I really at first in the first first third of the series, I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna be the villain or something, and. Uh, I'm not liking her. And then she immediately gets swallowed by the cloak. And I'm like, oh, that was fast. And then she spends the second third of the series, you know, in the cloak realm. Uh, in the cloak room. Yes, cloak room. And, um, you know, we get to see her in the mall and everything. And, and at that point, I started feeling for this character and started uh, looking at her as a potential hero, maybe an anti-hero or something like that. But a hero. Mm-hmm. No, I think she's yeah. a nice. I mean, that's the way they use her in the comics. Is she's she's not a villain. She's a counterpoint to Cloak and Dagger. She is, exactly. the, you yeah. know, she's like the Punisher to Spider Man, or you know, whatever. She she's the lethal protector. You know, she tries to 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 do you know, to help people, but she yeah, does it yeah. in a way that's I mean, brutal when, when the to the bad tell guys. Her, you know, you know, do bad to bad people. My thought was, oh, he wants her to Frank Castle this, <laughs> and you know, that's that's really what I got from it. And mm-hmm. I guess, and again, because this isn't. New York. This is New Orleans. This is its own city with its own character and its own stories and its own heroes. It, it makes sense that for her to fill that niche there. So yeah, I was down for the ride with her. And it did explain why in the because in the first few okay. episodes, the first two or three episodes, um, O'Reilly was just really annoying the crap out of me. Uh, her her relation, her uh, responses to Tyrone and everything, and I just. I wasn't feeling it, but it got explained in such a way because of this that I was like, oh. Yeah, because I was wondering, is like how she came out of the water in the last season. I was like, wait a minute, why is she so like, you know, timid yeah. and, and, you know, like not very aggressive and everything. And then, yeah, it, it all started making sense as they went through. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's talk about Despair as our big bad. Um, so I know that you guys don't have any familiarity with the comic, but Ryan, why don't you start us off? What did you think of him? As the I mean, and you can talk about his girlfriend because I don't. We're not gonna. We you know we're running long here, so we're not gonna give time to the more minor characters. But uh, you know, what do you think about despair? Uh, until the last episode, I was kind of digging it. Um, I, I kind of on the one hand, mm-hmm. it's, uh, his origin, the episode with his origin story, it made him an understandable character to an extent. I mean, he's got these severe migraines that they're to the point. They've driven him to suicide, and and I'm like, okay, that must be mm-hmm. bad. And so I, I can get, I can follow him up to the point where he's kind of like stealing people's hope because it gives him, you know, uh, comfort at least and gets rid of the pain. To that extent, I'm like, okay, you know, it, you're wrong, but at least it, I see where your logic's coming from. But then why he has to turn that into trafficking girls, I don't know. I'm not sure where that came from. Well, well, what's the best way to yeah. suck somebody's hope out? 
<laughs> is to put them in a hopeless situation. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I'm guessing. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. I mean, but that's that's what I sort of the logic I created in my head it, for it. And getting rid of uh, people's hope, he's just he destroyed whatever goodness he had left in him, and he just figured he'd make a buck off of this while he's doing it mm. as well. Uh, and his, pers- yeah. Well, he's also a narcissist because, I mean, the whole thing is once he discovers that he can be a demigod, he's like, oh, you know, like, I'm just going to create a performance that just, like, you know, sucks everybody in. They have to listen to me all the time, you know. I really dug that. Well, I really liked his pursuit of becoming uh, a demigod. I thought that was uh, interesting, and they they could explore so many routes Mm – Local to New Orleans, uh, that way. I don't. And, but then they, I don't know. Just in the last episode, mm. he lost me. And I just, it's like, oh, his, his master plan is to. I, I don't. He's a god now, so he has to enchant everyone to for reasons. I, I, I just didn't really get his plan or what he was doing at the end. I think it really was that he's just such a narcissist that he wants the eternal yeah. audience. I mean, I think that's just it. I mean, I don't think there's more to it or that. Uh, although at first when people started disappearing, I'm like, oh, are they tying into the Thanos snap? That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> are we dealing with that now? Because <laughs> that's kind of messed up in the last episode of the season. Cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So, but uh, I think yeah, that yeah. also takes it um, past the street level uh, type series where that i mean that they reached the point there where mm. i expected a zephyr to show up with a fit simmons and uh you know uh quake to figure out what's going on <laughs> it could still happen yeah, it could still it happen could. <laughs> they just fly they just fly in it's like we're here for bad jazz music we found it <laughs> clark greg has said he wants to show up on every marvel tv show now they haven't taken him up on that yet but you know you never know um yeah uh, Mike, what do you think about despair? So not understanding that, like, I figured it was a uh, big bad in the comic books, but this is actually a character I didn't even really look up because <laughs> he didn't really. No one Cisco'd him a name, so I didn't know who he was. It's like, oh, I guess a real name. Well, I'm not gonna look that. It up. It shows up a few places in the thing, and it's it's spelled D apostrophe S P A Y. Oh, but of course it is. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. that's knowledge. <laughs> despair. But uh, actually, it's pronounced despair. If only I have my Cajun tongue, I'll be able to do it. There you go. <laughs> but with, I, I absolutely really enjoyed the the record store part. Mm. That that was. That was fascinating to a T. And then, of course, and he was he was just a guy looking just to get rid of his headaches. I think a lot of people can go feel that. Right. I don't think he really needed to go this direction. (laughs) Well, well, that's the thing. Like, what would you do if you were in constant pain? What would you do? You're not killing people. So would you just take away their, would you would you make their lives, like, you know, miserable just to make yourself feel bad? You know, it's just one of those interesting yeah. thought kind of experiments. It makes him more than just a thumb, uh, mustache twirling villain. Yeah, and, and, my, and even my question to that was, if he was coming to me, it's like, have you tried joy? Could you, could you try, like, bringing joy? Could that, query your, nope, it's going to be despair because you can't spell joy with an apostrophe? Gotcha, understood. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> J apostrophe O I Y E. Let me introduce you to John Jones. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the record store and him being a trumpet player and that it, that brought in a lot of character depth because I didn't even see that turn. And as soon as I saw the guy and he was walking with uh, with Tandy, just talking about stuff, I'm like, oh. I don't like this guy for some reason. And then <laughs> there's the turn. He's the big bad. I'm like, oh, what is your power? <laughs> and and when they fully explained mm. what was going on, given the backstory, it's like, okay, you re- and like I agree with Nathan. Like you really actually feel with the guy because it is a bad headache. And what will you do? And it's like you, mm. you really feel for the guy until the human trafficking comes in the part. It's like, oh, well, now we're just now you're just bad, bad. Like, whoo. Uh, and then when he finally, he, I love that he didn't even really think about being a God. He just saw something on the wall. It's like, Ooh, that's a nice, uh, Van Gogh painting over there. And just (laughs) chilling his stuff. It wasn't until, uh, a vet's aunt auntie comes into the picture and it's like, Oh, don't, don't, why are you saying things? Stop talking. You're helping him. Stop talking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't have to answer to him. And and he found he wanted to because he was close to becoming a god even by on accident, and he finally became it and still using his trumpet. I was like, yeah, man, you blow you blow that horn, they don't snap everybody into your weird auditorium <laughs> of jazz. That's that's what's be careful of listening to jazz kids. This that's what happens. That's what happens. Uh, I know that when by looking at it in. I was even looking at his his uh, veve, the symbol that would, if he figured it out, he would become the god. I was looking at him like, what really would that all mean? Because I'm looking at, oh, it might be ocean because he was in the water. And then it started playing as a musical note. I'm, and at that moment, it started playing like a musical note. I'm like, holy crap. I just round of applause. Like, that was so genius. <laughs> I want my own veve. I want one. I don't know what I have to do. Go to New Orleans, talk to the uh, of the hoodoo, and it's like, can't, how do I get one? I don't want to become a god. I just want like my own veve, have on a tattoo, and it's like, what does that mean? It's like, oh, this is my veve, you know, uh, you know, Loa, Loa stuff. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, no, I think everything they did with despair and the way they incorporated him. Uh, into this was very clever and very well done. I mean, I feel the best about how they've adapted him as a character into the into the um, TV series because there was no way they were going to do the demon route and having him be like a human who is ascending to another form of existence I thought worked really well. And like you say, the whole musical motif and everything. And the fact that it's New Orleans, so it's jazz, right? I mean, that's just it just feels right, right? You don't need anything more than that. So. I just feel like he was missing a hat. Like, I mean, Baron some I can I and I always pronounce it Baron uh, Samidi because uh, of how how I see it, but it's like uh, was it Baron oh, Sam, Samadi? Yeah, Samadi. Right. Samadi. It, it's. Yeah, I I can't remember. I, I I need to go watch uh, Live and Let Die again. <laughs> um, but uh... I need to go watch Princess <laughs> and the Frog. I mean, it's a James Bond movie true. that deals that with this. That is where ninety percent right. of America gets its voodoo <laughs> knowledge from. It's from the movie Live and Let Die. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, the Loas, the, the Loas just need a good hat. It's, 
he, he wasn't a true Loa. He was missing yeah. the hat. <laughs> Mark, what do you think about despair? Uh, I, I, I talked about this a little bit earlier. Sure. Um, I, I thought the whole, uh, uh, the translating of those ethereal, metaphysical, hard to, uh, hard to conceptualize powers and making it a, uh, a, a specific place and, and how that whole thing worked was, was brilliant. I didn't mind the whole notion of him becoming a demigod, especially because, uh, they'd been thorns in his side anyways. And the first thing you do when you consolidate power is you take out your opposition so I didn't mind that that's what his uh, his plan was, you know. Um, obviously, if they if if people are listening to the music and buying into it, then that feeds his power. So he's trying to basically build a base at the end of it, you know. He's trying to mm-hmm. he's trying to go, he, you know. He got demigod status, and now he's trying to level up again. Uh, so so I thought that uh, I thought that worked uh, really well, and I liked him as a villain. Uh, I thought it was a really great marriage of uh, him and New Orleans, and I, I appreciated the fact that um, they've updated all of these concepts uh, to be something that, uh, you know, I'm not saying it has to be, uh, you know, on point, but I just like the fact that it's more relevant. You know, uh, I, I felt like the things that were happening in this mm-hmm. story uh, were happening um, they, they weren't a, they weren't a byproduct of, of cloak and dagger, but cloak and dagger found that they had, uh, stakes in it, you know? And so it just felt more organic. And I felt like it, as a villain, he felt more organic. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't, um, he wasn't, you know, married to Tony Stark, uh, you know, in some way, you know, uh, or uh, anything like that. Uh, he had his own agenda, and they fu- they found out about it, and so uh, that that's that's what that's how that worked. I, th- I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I usually don't like it when when they adapt a property and they they take the villain and um and and put them with the hero's origin. If it wasn't meant to be that way, like every time they tie, try to tie Doom into the Fantastic Four's origin, right. I, I'm always like, oh, God, don't do that. You don't need to do that. But with Despair, I think it worked because of what they've done with Tandy and Tyrone in the first season and giving them that sort of hope and, and fear powers. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he got his power from the same explosion, and now he's... He's despair. It's another emotional state, right. you know, and and we already saw that like Candy could feed off people's hopes in the first season. Now she stopped doing it, yeah. but you know it was something she was doing towards the end of, of that season uh, when she was kind of getting to a dark place. So it made sense that now he's part of that whole thing too. That you know, and so I thought that that actually made it work better than if they had just tried to establish him as a completely separate thing that had nothing to do with what had been going but on. That that also played well into why the record store was in the cloak because mm. and, and i think to to both your point and mark's point they they walked uh the razor's edge on this one on having that shared origin with the you know the particle accelerator explosion if you will and um ah. while also having separate origins at the same time I mean, they just they, they're linked by this one event but it works because it also explains why they are each other's weaknesses it, it, because mm-hmm. if he really was a demigod and if he really did have you know half the city under his control and he was leveling up they they he was probably beyond them but it, it's again it's it, it's 
MCU is one Infinity Stone can attack another Infinity Stone, and they there his he was vulnerable to their abilities because they all had the same origin. Mm-hmm. No, I, I th- there, there's a beautiful yeah. symmetry there, and I completely agree there with is. it. Yeah, and that's also another reason I think they can't really ever leave New Orleans because they, you've got to come back to. I mean, there are gods inside this cloak. There's clearly a connection to some other realm through this cloak from that explosion, all involving Roxxon, and I just think that needs to be explored. Well, I think the portal goes with him. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. Cloaks, cl- the cloak is a portal. <laughs> that has always been the way yeah. it is. So you don't have to go back to New Orleans. The portal is there. You know. No, but I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's you know. New Orleans gods, or or you know, basically regionally specific. You know, he he doesn't go through the cloak and see Native American, uh, you know, deities. But maybe he will next season. Yeah, huh? That's valid. Huh? <laughs> or maybe he'll go away from New Orleans. He'll be like, I don't have my powers. We have to go to New Orleans again because <laughs> it can only work there. But. <laughs> Oh, uh, one thing I forgot to mention with Mayhem uh, that's kind of a major deal, um, that ending where she just kills Connors. <laughs> you know, she hangs him from the scene. After we've had this whole debate the whole season about do we kill Connors? Do we not kill Connors? Is there some way we can use Connors for good no, benefit? No. Is there any no, way no, to no, redeem no. Connors? And then it's like, you know, and you feel, I mean, uh, to, to be fair, you feel regret from that actor and that is the one way that i liked how they yeah that is like the cloak in the comics the cloak is like a way of rehabilitating people because it's just so horrible in there people are come out and are just like i'm never gonna do anything wrong again you know um but then yeah like but it's not enough you know she's just like i'm i'm hanging you <laughs> uh, may, uh mayhem didn't kill connor's yeah hmm? mayhem did- tr- mayhem hung him mm-hmm but it was stopped by Tandy because Connors was the it was that was inside of the mall because Connors was the only thing I could help. No, no, no. Hide. But, but no. Then in the last episode, they show like as Tandy and Tyrone are getting on the bus, we cut to her and she's hanging him now. Ah, uh, uh, wait, what? Yeah, his, in the his, last his episode. Mo- no, his no. mom killed him. Yeah, his mom killed him. Gunshot in the bathroom, plastic everywhere. Oh, really? Do I misremember oh, yeah. that was, badly after only two months? Yeah, it was <laughs> okay. American Psycho completely. Okay. All right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Because because it was a nice it was a nice dinner that she cooked. It was well, it was like some crab legs, I think it was. It was it was good because she needed a peace of mind, had a nice conversation, and she's and at the end of it, she was like, you know what, dinner's done. Why don't you go ahead and uh, freshen up in the bathroom? Goes into the bathroom, grabs her gun, shot in between the eyes mm. and i don't even know how the bio was disposed i don't even know well yeah, you and know she, she's got all the cooking stuff out yeah and that's <laughs> when that she took the file that connor's had mm-hmm. uh gave her all the information took the file to the priest and it's like well in order for me to do this i mean you have to confess do you have something to confess girl mm-hmm. and she confessed you dirty you did this on purpose you Mm-mm. I'm going to the cops. I'm going to the cops with this, you girl. Mm. <laughs> he was he was not happy in the least. Hmm. Okay. The, for some reason, I'm remembering her like like pulling on the like some ropes or something that she had like tied together. Well, she hung and him. she hung him. But t- yeah, yeah, she hung him. But Tandy stopped her. Okay. Well, that's why I wanted to do this podcast as soon as possible because I'm forgetting <laughs> things. All right. Oh, it's okay. I blame the hole in your face. <laughs> that could well be. <laughs> that could well be. Um, 
So the last thing I want to talk about before I just open it up to, uh, you know, anything, you know, that we haven't talked about yet is, uh, so we get Tandy and Tyrone on a bus. There's been a lot of speculation about it. Quite a few people, including myself, think that bus might be headed for L.A. and a cameo in Runaway Season 3. So, um, Mike, what do you think about that? Do you think that's that's what they're doing here? Well, first things first, the most important question about this bus trip is pancakes or waffles. <laughs> it only matters that they pick the same thing. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> pancakes all the way. Well, the answer is pancakes, of course. Yes. Oh, no, I'm well, no I, it, I'm de- it depends. <laughs> no, no. I mean, see, this this did bug me because pancakes is friends. <laughs> Waffles is Enemy? way more than friends. That is what? true. Okay. That is 100% yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, but no, I think the, I am hoping that the bus goes to L.A. and – yeah. Even then, like I hope that the that the the runaways leave L.A. a little bit. I mean, uh, venture Ooh. across America and kind of meet up in the Grand Canyon. It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Cloak stuff. Uh, but no, I uh, yeah, I, it, it does seem like for a show called Runaways, they're not running away very far. First, it took them a long time to run away in the first place, and then it's they didn't go very far. They did not. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think I really do hope that Cloak and Dagger do meet up with the Runaways. I, I think. That dynamic and clashing would be absolutely great, and I really see a confrontation of Ty and uh, I'm, I'm sorry about this brainy kid uh, from one of ways uh, like those two uh, button heads because he's already screwed up last season a lot, mm-hmm. and but I really want to see those two kind of not go at it, but just feel the tension in the room between them between those two. And that would add the requirement of a dinosaur. So there we go. Uh, Yeah, the one thing is Tandy says something about that they're going there because uh, girls have been washing up on the shore, which, as far as we know from one way, there was only one, but maybe some others have washed up on the shore, so maybe. Um, Mark, do do, do you think that that's where they're heading with with their story? Don't know, kind of don't care. Um, Hmm. Everything is in flux, and... I am less interested in uh, the crossover and more interested in making sure that if there's a third season, they tell a good story. And if that third season is all about them getting to L.A., but but they don't ever meet the runaways or if they go somewhere else and don't have a crossover, I'm cool with that. You know, uh, I just want they've done a really good job. They've done a surprisingly good job with the first two seasons. I I think the third season should continue in that vein. And I am worried, uh, that the, but pairing them up with the runaways, uh, I don't know that the tone is exactly the same and I'm not sure that they, uh, uh, I'm not sure that they wouldn't, uh, cancel each other out. You know, I don't know. We'll see. I, we're just talking about like a couple of episodes next season of Runaways. You know, Tandy and Tyrone show up. They have like a storyline with them, and then they go again. I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not like talking about them like becoming part of a team or something. You're you're such an upbeat and positive person. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think they would do that. I think if they, uh, yeah, I just, okay. I don't know. I, I, I like I said, I don't care. Uh, you know, uh, I I'd rather Runaways get better. And I'd rather 
cloak and dagger stay on their same trajectory. Hmm. And uh, I, I'm less. I, I really could care less if they if they cross over, unless it's going to make for a better story. If it's going to if it's going to add to the story, yeah, cross them over. Don't do it just because they did it in the comics. That's not a good reason. No, 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 you, no, no. The Punisher crossover has to happen because they did it in the comics. But you know, See, Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I totally want them to have John Bernthal in an episode of Runaways because I just love the idea of Molly beating him up. But anyway, oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, but yeah no cloak and dagger i i i don't know they've done photo shoots with the runaways they've done all this stuff there's a lot of hinting that they're gonna do something and again it's the classic marvel thing of you know you have the characters show up they think that they're you know on different sides it turns out they're on the same side they 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 make friends and they go their separate ways and and that's what i you know more than having like something like the defenders where it was like we are going to cross over with a capital c and every character storyline has to dovetail into this and yada yada i like the casual crossover like that far more than something where it has to be like really heavy-handed and the writers have to like force their stories to like come together like that so you know i mean not to say i didn't like defenders i'm just saying that that's you know i i prefer the sort of casual marvel crossovers a lot more sure. so um we'll, we'll, well, if, we'll they, see. if they can if they can pull that off then awesome yeah. but uh I, I, I don't want them to strain themselves, you sure. know, especially because, you know, at, if at any moment there could be some weird Disney clawback where they go, no, it's all going to the app. You belong to us. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm just kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop, yeah. you know. Um, well, and, and, uh, you know, and to me, that's like, OK. And then when they go their separate ways, you could do something in Cloak and Dagger season three where like Tandy's like calling somebody. It's like, oh, who you're talking to. Oh, I'm talking to Gert, you know. And it sure. doesn't have to be something I, big or, or anything. It's just like, yeah, I'm chatting with Gert, you know, uh, kind of. My, and, and again, all of that sounds good, provided it doesn't suck. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, Ryan, did, what, did you think that that's where they're going with that? Um, I think it'd be cool enough if it was. I don't think, no, I don't think it's where they're going. I think it's mm. another acknowledgement. I, I think I could see them say, yeah, we're going to go to L.A. to uh, – yeah, investigate these girls washing up on the beach, and then they get sidetracked into another whole adventure for the entire season, and it just never mm. happens. I think just as a practical matter, the logistics of it, you've got the Runaways, are fil- they're filmed, it's, it's a Hulu show versus a network show. I just, it's not impossible. But they're all owned by Disney, Through and so that's where companies. Yes. I understand that, but all that it takes is for, you know, uh, the lawyers to be like, hey, the parent company wants this, and uh, how do we get this yeah. to work? Oh, we just signed this form right here? Okay, you know. Well, one, I don't think it's just sign this form right here. I, I don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I would like it, and I want it to happen, right. you know, for a couple of episodes, uh, but I think it's an uphill battle. I, I think unless someone like, sure. you know, Faye pushes for it, it's just not going to happen, and I don't even know where. Uh, right, but but Ryan, Ryan, yes. What was your opinion of the Flash showing up on Supergirl when Supergirl was on CBS and Flash was on CW? Same thing is an uphill battle. It happened. I'm not saying it's uh, right, but it happened. It did right? happen, yes. You know. So basically, you're asking me, you know, it's a bit, it's your argument is since it happened once, it must happen again. It... No, <laughs> I'm just saying. Do you think that's where they're going with it? 
I'm just saying it's possible because it's happened before. I agree it is possible. I also think it's improbable. Having said that, okay. if it does happen, I, I think it would be a great way to expand the universes of both shows. Um, yes. By which I mean you can bring that the dark energy, the dark dimension, the cloakroom, cloak and dagger – into um, Runaways, and maybe that's got something to do with the the staff of one or whatever, and and you can bring some other mysticism and technology. It doesn't have to always. It can be Roxon can be introduced into L.A. and vice versa. You can have Stein. It already was. It was mentioned. Yeah. It was a big banner. It, well, whatever. You get what I'm saying. It can be. <laughs> it, it can be an exploration of both universes and the the powers and connections that mm-hmm. bind them. But more importantly, if they did that, if say one of the show, say Cloak and Dagger doesn't get picked up for a season three, or does get picked up for season three but not season four, maybe we can have uh, Cloak and Dagger join the Runaways or something like that. So I like the idea as a fallback plan. Um, but mm-hmm. like Mark, I don't want it to. Do, it does. It shouldn't. It should be more than just a publicity gimmick. It needs to be something that works for the stories and the characters. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, um, you know, we had to skip certain characters and everything, and of course, we didn't talk about every episode. But we're still going pretty long. But sure. Ryan, was there anything that you wanted to talk about in Cloak and Dagger that we didn't talk about? Uh, you know, I think broad stroke, we did everything. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will say. I don't know if it's credit to the writers or the actor himself, but yeah, Connors, I, he was a bad guy in season one, hated him, needed to die, blah, 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 blah. This season, I was conflicted. And by the end of his run, I was like, oh, don't kill Connors. Wait, did I just say that? You know, so kudos. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, you, you totally got the idea of this guy being totally terrified. He yeah. knew that he killed that kid when he shouldn't have. And like, he was just panicking and trying to just, you know, survive yeah. any way that he could. It wasn't right. It was the wrong decision, but I totally got like how somebody could be absolutely could do. I mean, that, the only other character you know? I, I kind of just because I think I really bashed her in um in, in our last podcast <laughs> is I want to give it up for yes. uh, Avita's aunt because I hated her in season one, but in season two I loved her and I was sorry when she went. But she went. A, she went a hero. So good. <laughs> yeah, she she Obi Wan right. that. Hmm. Okay, Mike, was there anything you wanted to talk about with uh, Cloak and Dagger that we didn't get to? Same thing with Connors. The Connors arc was uh, was great. That was that was a good mm. redemption. Uh, sad to see him go like that. Uh, that was more of that was more of Ty's mom trying to have her cake and eat it too. And I and that's probably something I want to see in season three is that go. I want to see the repercussions of that. There's got to be repercussions. But other than that, uh, thank you, Connors, for for being a better man. <laughs> All right, Mark, uh, was there anything you wanted to talk about with Cloak and Dagger that we didn't get to? Just uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention was that this uh, this show has flown under the radar, and it hasn't gotten a lot of mm. uh, critical attention. But the reviews that have come out have been uh, largely positive. So if you're just listening to this because you're bored and don't, you know, aren't thinking about it, uh, but but are like, oh, I didn't know this was going to be good. 
give this a try. You know, this is not standard fare. Um, uh, the setup and the care, if I explain the characters to you as in an elevator pitch, you'll go, Oh, I've heard this before, but they do. They have managed to do some really interesting things with the show. Uh, it, it surprised me more than once, uh, this season. Uh, and that's kind of tough to do because I tend to look at things at a, at a meta story level, uh, even when I don't want to. And uh, the fact that this uh, show had some twists and turns in it and kept me guessing I, is always something I appreciate uh, and value uh, as, as a viewer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would just say that, uh, that, the, that the show is good. I, I, I think it's gotten better. I, th- I hope it continues along that way. And if you haven't tried it, uh, you should absolutely give it a look. All right. Yeah. Um, I absolutely loved having the, you know, the, the video game episode. <laughs> it, reminded me, <laughs> it reminded me of so many games that I played as a kid. <laughs> no, I didn't really think the episode itself was all that great, but I did like the aesthetic. I love the fact that someone took the time to make like a fighting game with like Dandy and Tyrone in it and like the eight bit graphics and everything. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so, uh, Mark's already had his say on it. So, um, Mike and Ryan, when you, uh, sign off, cause I know last season we talked about, is this a show that you would recommend to other people? And so I'm just kind of curious if now that season two has finished, if you would feel differently about that. So, um, let's start with you, Mike, um, uh, sign off and say your goodbyes. And would you recommend Cloak and Dagger, uh, to, to people? Thanks, Aaron S., for listening in once again. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at this is Trex. That's T Rex. Uh, and of course, if you guys want to watch uh, random video games and everything, head over to twitch.tv slash Trexlight. That's like like the light bulb. Uh, I would I'm definitely always recommending Cloak and Dagger to all my friends. The uh, like we said uh, to this whole show, this season touched on so many high notes so many hot buzz worthy topics that it was insane on how much they fit into what a 10 12 episode season 10 10 10 episodes and they touched on so much and it it needs to be watched by everybody it is definitely low on the radar like mark said and it deserves to be bigger it deserves to have a bigger audience and I'm honestly excited to see what season three stories they can pull out in another 10 episodes. Keep it 10. It was a tight 10. The video game episode wasn't my favorite, but it was a tight 10. And if if they can only get away with like one episode that was kind of weird, I can go with it. Keep it tight. Keep it 10. You're awesome. Yeah, I honestly think it's just because some people look down on shows with teenage protagonists. Because I know several people who watch all the Marvel TV shows except for Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. And I think that that's what it is, is is people are looking down on it because it's younger. They assume that the storylines are going to be dumbed down and it's going to be for, like, a younger audience. And so they're not, you know, they're not interested. They don't even give it a chance. Hey, I came from a group of teenagers that had a lot Mm -hmm. of attitude. And, and apparently those those other teens have more attitudes, and that's just stuff that's keep going. Bring on the kids, bring on the attitude. Go go Power Rangers! <laughs> All right, uh, Ryan. So uh, say your goodbyes. Let people know where they can find you. And yeah, say if you would recommend Cloak and Dagger to people. 
Well, you know, as usual, I will never say goodbye to the internet. Uh, weather permitting, I always have an internet connection, and uh, therefore, you're stuck with me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at GeekStranger, and uh, you can go to GeekStranger.com. If you're feeling lucky. Which, yes, there will be content. <laughs> if you're feeling lucky, you know, there will be content as soon as I can remember my uh, WordPress password. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll send it to me. <laughs> uh, my, I guess my final thoughts on um, Cloak and Dagger. I, I think last podcast I said I recommended it yes. if you're a completionist, a Marvel completionist. And my feelings on that have changed. Uh, I think it stands on its own now. I think this season, um, just for the, the sheer tenacity and bravery uh, with the way they depicted uh, certain issues and the tightness of the storyline, that um, they've managed to, to take to the point where whether it's tied to the MC or not, it's worth watching for its own merits. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if you've listened this far and you haven't seen a single episode, then sorry we spoiled <laughs> everything for you, but uh, go check it out. And, um, you know, you can agree with me and tell me how I'm wrong and or I'm right and Nathan's wrong about everything. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? I am uh, ubiquitous. That's not true. I'm not ubiquitous. I am mildly ubiquitous. Uh, you can hit me over on uh, the Facebook. I've got a Facebook page, uh, the Mark Finswake, the Mark Fins page. I also blog uh, at um, Mark the Aging Hipster. Uh, at blogspot.com. I'm going to be doing the RPG a day challenge uh, soon here for uh, uh, August. And that's going to be on my other blog, RPG Confessions. Uh, so uh, that's where uh, I can be found. Oh, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's uh, it's at Finswake, but uh, I, I really don't sp- spend a lot of time on Twitter. I find it to be a, a poisonous environment. Yeah, and anywhere that gorillas gather, Mark will be there. That's right. Uh, there is no. I, I am a card carry member of the International Order of the Gorilla, and so uh, we, we we meet in secret. Uh, you'll have to listen for our, our sounds in the foliage. <laughs> oh man! Uh, so yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned with Cloak and Dagger, then yeah, I think that I, it's a show that I definitely tell people to give a try. Uh, you know, especially if you are into the Marvel stuff. But like Ryan was saying, and uh, you know, I don't think you need. I mean, because the tie-ins are so small. Um, you know, if if you like that sort of urban fantasy feel, uh, you know, I mean, I think that there's something there for you too. So um, I think that that's. Um, you know, I think that that's, you know, I mean, I'd recommend it to people. Um, but uh, Mike, Ryan, and Mark, thank you so much for being on the show today. Glad to be here. It was great. Welcome. And that's a wrap on our Cloak and Dagger episode. What do you think about it? Do you think that Cloak and Dagger should have continued? Did you like how we reviewed the episode? What do you think of our cast? You can let us know in a bunch of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website, 42cast.com, and leave us a review on any episode there. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram at 42cast. We really do love to get feedback. We don't get nearly enough, so uh, especially as we go through these sort of older ones, I am kind of curious uh, to know if people appreciate being reminded about these shows or maybe learning about a show that you didn't catch at the time 
or if we've talked about a gem that you appreciated and you're just glad to hear somebody talk about it, any of those kinds of things, just let us know. Let us know about any of our other episodes. We've certainly got things coming up. We're going to talk about more modern shows as well as movies, and we've got quite a few topics percolating right now that I hope will be interesting for everybody. So once again, please let us know. I also want to let everybody know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a way that you can help all the shows on the network. There are various tiers that give you different access to either early podcast episodes, exclusive podcast episodes. There's a couple of exclusive podcasts that you can get access to through the Patreon. And that is at patreon.com slash ESO Network. So if you have the funds to contribute, you find a tier that works for you, we would definitely appreciate it if you do. You can find me on two other podcasts, uh, both of which are kind of on hiatus right now, but we definitely have episodes out there. We're definitely going to start releasing more over the summer. We've kind of been banking up, and we're going to release when I have more time for editing so that the episodes can come at a more even pace and not be at the sort of fits and spurts that they have been. The first of those is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to purchase the episodes because Juliet and I describe everything important that happens in the story. So if you just want to hear our banter, you want to learn a little bit more about Doctor Who, you can follow us there and do that. Now, if you want to buy the episodes, you definitely will get more out of it. But we didn't want to make that a requirement to understanding the show. So once again, that is Time Streams. If that sounds interesting to you, check it out. The other show is Legendary Forces, and that's where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Corey, Joe, and Ashley, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. That is the movies, of course, but also TV shows, books, comics, anything that happens in the Star Wars universe. We're reviewing the material and letting you know whether it's any good, whether you'd be interested in following it and reading it, but we're also talking about Star Wars and the idea of an expanding universe, an idea of Star Wars, the things that change over time as more movies come out, as more content comes out. And so if that sounds interesting to you, that is Legendary Forces. So disappointingly, I was not able to get to C2E2 this year. I got a very bad cold and it just wasn't possible for me to get there. I didn't want to risk the other uh, attendees, the guests, anyone else with getting sick. And so, yeah, yeah, it was really bad because I had already purchased tickets in advance. I'd already purchased autographs in advance and that really kind of sucked. But that sort of renewed my desire to get to Fan Expo Chicago. There are a couple of guests already announced for that that I really want to meet, especially Giancarlo Esposito. I really want to meet that guy, so (laughs) it's going to be really exciting. So you can find me there. Can't guarantee yet. I'm not sure yet whether I'll go for one day or two. I'm probably not going to go for three or four, so definitely Saturday, possibly Friday, probably not Sunday or Thursday. So just check this space. I'll have a little bit better of an idea about that in a couple of months. And I'll definitely be there every day of Chicago TARDIS this year. So that's always the best place to catch me. I'm always going to be at Chicago TARDIS unless something disastrous happens. So if you want to meet me at Chicago TARDIS, I'll definitely be on some panels. And always feel free to come up and say hi. A few people have done that already at Chicago TARDIS. And I was glad to discover that I have some listeners who are fairly local. 
because I never know when I look at the download numbers, it just says United States, and I have absolutely no idea how many of those people come from around here or come from other parts of, you know, the country or whatever. So anyway, you can find me there. Beth and I have started watching The Mandalorian Season 3. Of course, you will get an episode on that when we finish it. And we have also decided that we're going to start watching Clone Wars. Long-time listeners will know I have major issues with the Star Wars prequels to the point that I don't even want to watch something that strongly acknowledges them. (laughs) Because that's one of the things where I always said about the sequels that I liked the sequels because they barely mentioned the prequels at all. Like, you know, a couple things that they said that referenced the prequels, but it was almost like clean slate. We're pretending the prequels didn't happen. And we're just going to talk about the original trilogy and move forward. But yeah, just because so much of the new Star Wars content is based on Clone Wars. So we will watch that. We will start watching that soon. So once again, continue watching this space. And we'll get to that. So that's a wrap on Cloak and Dagger Season 2. Join us back next week when Michael Douglas will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2023. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 cast is a proud member of the ESO network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.